0: It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... Ariel
1: The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, July 6, 2015. Logan, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani inside our New York City studio. Very excited about today's show. We are finally here, UFC 189 Fight Week has arrived and unfortunately since we last spoke last monday things have changed our worst nightmare is confirmed jose aldo of course not fighting this saturday we were waiting for this for so long and i gotta be honest when they when they first announced that this fight was going to happen in july as opposed to may i kind of thought to myself man we're playing with fire no knock on jose no knock on conor mcgregor i just felt like we were playing with fire Do it Memorial Day. Let's see it. Get it out of the way. Don't extend it. This is too important. This is too exciting. This is too big. This is too historic. They saved it for the big international fight week. And uh, unfortunately, Jose Aldo had to pull out. So much has happened in the last week. You know by now that uh, the injured ribs were just too painful. Um, Some say they were fractured. Some say they were bruised. UFC says he could have fought. Conor McGregor says he could have fought. Aldo and his team say he couldn't have fought. So now it's Chad Mendez versus Conor McGregor. And I've had enough time to digest this. I've had enough time to get over it. And I'm starting to look on the bright side. Look, at the end of the day, the the, the big question is going to be answered on Saturday. It's not the title fight question. It's not the Jose Aldo question. It's not the greatest of all time question. It's the wrestler question. And there were a lot of people who thought that question needed to be answered ...before we got to Jose Aldo. Well, you are getting what you wished for. We are getting to see Chad Mendes, who's on fire, who looked fantastic against Ricardo Lamas... ...who's one of the very best wrestlers in the entire sport... ...taking a fight on essentially two weeks' notice... ...against Conor McGregor, who we have said time and again... Uh, ...or many people have said that he is uh, he's getting a free pass... ...that he's getting a silver spoon in his mouth... ...that he's avoiding wrestlers that he was uh, groomed from the get-go to fight Jose Aldo and not fight the very best. Well, all that goes out the window because not only is he fighting Chad Mendez, he's fighting him on two weeks' notice, a completely different opponent to a degree, and uh, a, a, a very limited amount of time to prepare for him. You cannot say any of that about Conor McGregor. So the Conor McGregor show rolls on. The Irish fans get what they want to a degree. They don't get the Aldo fight, but you still get to see him in Las Vegas, and your trip isn't for nothing. So now it's an interim title fight, which I'm okay with, and we'll get into that in a second here. Um, But things have changed. It's not what we were hoping for. It's not what we were preparing for. It's not what we were excited about. That's the sport we love. Things change. Got to move on. We're still getting two title fights, and Warren McDonald versus Robbie Lawler, in case you forgot, are still fighting on Saturday night in Las Vegas. Perhaps the most under-the-radar title fight in UFC history, and I'm not talking about, you know, uh, uh, unestablished title, like the flyweight title or whatever, or an interim title. I mean, this is legit number one versus number two, and no one's talking about him. And you know who's happy about that more than anyone? Robbie Lawler and Roy McDonald. They love this situation. They don't have to do any media. No one wants to talk to them. Perfect for them. It's going to be a wild week in Las Vegas. It's Invicta on Thursday, uh, UFC on Saturday, also the Hall of Fame Saturday afternoon, tough finale on Sunday all kinds of craziness. We have so much to talk about, so let's get into today's show. At around 3.45, we're going to take your questions and comments. So hit us up using the hashtag, the MMA, hour, leave a question or comment in the comment section below. At 3.25, my friends, we are going to talk to Michael Lunardelli, who is Reebok's head of combat training. Of course, last week, a very big week for Reebok, they officially unveiled their UFC fight kit. And it was met with a lot of criticism, some jokes, some complaints, some praise. But uh, it it was an interesting time. They did it in New York. There was this uh, fashion show of sorts. Uh, A bizarre day because earlier in the day, Lorenzo Fertitta and Dana White were telling us that they were very confident the fight was going to happen. And, of course, just a few hours later, the Aldo fight gets scrapped. I want to talk to Michael Lunardelli, who is really the brains behind all of this about the launch, where they go from here. Of course, the Reebok deal really goes into effect on July 11th at UFC 189. And uh, the anti-doping deal also goes into effect, you know, essentially July 1st. But July 11th is the first show. So it's a, it's, a, it's a new day. It's a new age. As I said on UFC Tonight, things are changing. The face of the UFC has completely changed since we spoke last week. At 3.05, Paddy Houlihan will stop by. He returns to action uh, on July 18th. In Glasgow. How about that? Did I say it right? Against Von Lee. Um, And he has a new big sponsorship. Very excited to talk to him about that. Cody Garbrandt will stop by at 245 to talk about his UFC 189 fight. Interesting guy. Really looking forward to talking to him. How about this? At 205, Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen, who has not been on this show in over a year, my old friend will stop by. It has been a long time since I spoke to him. Uh, 145, we're going to talk to Dan Lambert, co-founder and owner of American Top Team. Talk to him about his involvement on Tough 21, Robbie Lawler, etc., etc. And speaking of ATT, Jorge Masvidal will stop by at 125 to talk about his move to welterweight. He fights in the co-main event of the Tough finale on Sunday night in Las Vegas. But first... Let us go to the Skype machine and talk all things Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendez. This guy is killing it for the Irish Mirror for Severe MMA, one of my favorite sites, and also Fightland. He is Irish journalist Peter Pizzi Carroll joining us from Ireland right now to talk about Mr. McGregor versus Money Mendez. Peter, how are you, my friend?
2: I'm good, Ariel. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on again.
1: It is a pleasure, and this time I got your location correct, right?
2: That's it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not from England. Well done.
1: <laughs> By the way, where in Ireland are you right now?
2: I'm in uh the capital of Dublin. It's lovely. It's very warm. It's a very sticky evening, I must say. I'm very sweaty. I've had to change my shirt. I got so nervous. I had to change and everything before.
1: Well, thank you for that information. As a person who likes to sweat a lot as well, I can appreciate that. So we are five days now away from UFC 189. As I've said time and again, it is the Conor McGregor Show, but... It's not what we were hoping for, right? It's not what we had been talking about for the last few months. What is the vibe over there now? Are people still, you know, excited that we're gonna to get to see Connor against a different kind of opponent, a tough opponent, or are they a little bummed? Are they still kind of coming to terms with the idea that it's not gonna be Connor fighting for the real belt against Jose Aldo?
2: When the news initially broke, yeah, people were very upset. You know what I mean? They kind of it was just I think because of all the buildup and we had that huge press conference here in Dublin. And there was a lot of talk about that afterwards in the mainstream media, you know? So, um, good and bad. So they were kind of we were all kind of built up for Aldo. But as soon as the the new service of the injury forced, I got the feeling that a lot of people already thought that, you know, the writing was on the wall. But all the while, even when Aldo was matched with Connor, you know, um, the first thing people would generally say if they were talking to me would be, Yeah, but what about the wrestler question? You know, that was already over here, even with kind of um You know, Conor McGregor fans rather than MMA fans, they were already asking that question. Um, Chad Mendez came in, they had that back and forth at the conference call, and now it seems like nothing, you know, everyone's delighted with this. It's the Conor McGregor show, as you said. The people that were going over from Ireland, that's who they were paying to see. This guy is huge over here. I can't even describe you. You know yourself, you've been over here. He means so much to everyone here, and I, I think they still get a question answered. Um, if he bet Aldo, they'd still ask about Mendez or Edgar. So maybe he beats Mendez now and we can go through to, uh, to fight Aldo. We'll have to see what happens.
1: Have you heard from any fans who have decided against going to Las Vegas because it's not Aldo versus McGregor?
2: No. Um, actually, I've got close friends going over. You know, um, six of my close friends are going over. And a couple of them, when the news came out first, they were, they were, they were thinking about it, you know. But um, again, when everything settled, it was okay. And you know, we have we have basically our fingers on the pulse with Severin May dot com. A lot of people come back and forth with us, you know, and talk about the community itself, talk about going over. And nobody nobody has seemed to be completely put off by the idea of Mendez stepping in for Aldo.
1: Wow, that is uh, you know, that is interesting. And I think if if of course the UC dodged a major bullet. If McGregor was the one who pulled out, that would have been devastating you know, to a whole other degree. So they get to keep, you know, the golden boy on the card. And I'm wondering, you mentioned the mainstream media and how popular he is now in Ireland. How big of a deal is this outside of the sports media? Are there new outlets covering him? Are people, is it McGregor mania over there right now in Ireland?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, this is what we predicted. uh, But it was crazy to go into that, um, into the press conference. I remember I arrived in and, there was two areas. One was for Connor, one was for Aldo. Hmm. And there must have been 100 cameras around the area for Connor, and not one where Aldo was going to sit. You know what I mean? The champion of the world. And it's incredible, you know, because the champion of the world coming to Dublin it should be a big deal any other day of the week. But for Connor, everyone was all over Connor. And midway through, uh, Aldo giving his scrum, Connor came out. And the media just literally <laughs> shifted, just all, all sticks and moved across. You know what I mean? I can't even judge because I was one of them, you know what I mean? But uh, it was pretty incredible.
1: You know, all throughout this this build-up, you know, as I've said, people have been talking about Connor and people are happy that he's still on the card. But I'm wondering back there in, in Ireland, and I spoke to Connor a little bit about this when I saw him at the uh, the Ultimate Fighter gym when we had our sit down, I got the sense after that big press conference in late March in Dublin, that some people were starting to turn against him, kind of like when, you know, your favorite band is indie and then the world starts to get on the bandwagon and people say, ah, they sold out. Now that he spent the entire camp in Las Vegas and, and you know, he's really ramping up, you know, the, the, the lifestyle with the Louis Vuitton bags and, and, and the clothes and all that, are you starting to sense that there is a backlash in Ireland against Conor McGregor or
2: has that really
1: not happened yet?
2: I don't think it's a, against Connor as such you know we're, we're still having this growing the growing pains with the sport itself you know um if we go on any type of mainstream media to talk about the sport, one of the things that will always be brought up is, is how barbaric it is, and you have to go through that uh, that process um you know as far as what people think of Connor, you know some people they get onto him about silly things like they'll have they'll have uh, gripes with the way he speaks uh, the way he enunciates words um but like, if you had guys coming from Dublin over to America trying to sell whatever you know, Chevys or whatever it is, you know they're not gonna, you're not gonna understand what we're saying anyway. First right. of all, he had to do that. Like right. he was never gonna make money speaking in a Dublin drawl. Um, you know, it's little things like that. They don't, they don't like how confident he is. In Ireland, we're used to kind of sh- like reluctant champions, nearly. You know, you know people, people that kind of shy away from the limelight and. You know, say, oh well, you know, let's see what happens next. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. Whereas Connor's like full bar ahead. But that's that's what he appeals to our generation, the the generation that was kind of coming out of college and coming out of school in this like uh, financial wasteland, and we had nothing. And um, and Connor's a guy who chose his own destiny, put everything he had into it, and has made himself a millionaire out of it. Uh, you would expect, anyway. Yeah. You know, so um, I think it's it's two sides. Uh, some people just don't understand the sport they don't like what he's about they don't think he's a good role model now this is a minority you have to understand okay. like this is this is a this is a minority but uh they they don't think it it's good to have this sport in the mainstream and this guy at the front of it but again the people the fans of connor outweigh him outweigh them people you know a hundredfold there's murals of this guy all over the city You know what i mean it's all anyone's talking about you know
1: who would you say is the most popular athlete in Ireland right now? It's it's obviously it has to be Rory McIlroy, right? No, it's, he
2: doesn't. It's it, it is Connor. Like it's Connor, really? Is is yeah. Like even like as far as popularity, you know, look at the Google searches for the last two years. He's the most Google athlete, and um, he's talked about more. He kind of speaks to the people. He, he's he's inflammatory. You either like him or you don't, but you're going to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Whereas Rory McIlroy is going to play in golf. You know what I mean? There's not much. <laughs> there's not much going on there. Let's be honest. Um, you know, obviously, Rory probably makes a hell of a lot more of money in the sport that he is in. But certainly, Conor, Conor will be the most popular sportsman we have we have over here at the moment. I'd say for people like yourself, maybe maybe got, the MMA got yeah. on. You know, maybe I'm not seeing it. But I work in the in the, the newspapers over here, the national newspapers. And I was the first guy to get MMA into the newspapers over here, and I know when I have something with Conor McGregor, they'll literally stop the press if, if it needs to go in. Like the night Aldo's injury happened, yeah, I rang them at ten o'clock. That's their deadline, they're like, "We'll give you the extra hour. We'll clear the space, whatever it is." You know? Wow.
1: Um, are there any national media members who have never covered MMA before that will be going to Las Vegas?
2: Yes, yes, there is. Like, and uh, the Irish Times is the most prestigious paper in Ireland, and Ken Early will be coming over to cover the sport for them. Um, You know, I've wrote an article before for him. It probably wasn't good enough. (laughs) He's coming over to finish the job. (laughs) You
1: you know, I'm I'm wondering because... For Irish fans, for for people like yourself, you know, the hardcore fans, the fans who have been following this sport since before this Irish explosion, is it still surreal that you're in this position, that all eyes are on Ireland, the biggest fight weekend for the UFC, that, you know, he's the main event, that he's fighting for a belt, or have you guys gotten over that already? Because you remember, Conor, you've seen him, you've covered him since, you know, he was just, you know, a guy with a shaved head. Uh, fighting for Cage Wars and other promotions, the fact that you're at this point, have you had a chance to get over all that, or is it still somewhat crazy for all of
2: you? Yeah, it's crazy, and I mean, that's a big part of his allure to the Irish people as well. You know, we're coming up, uh, you know, you look at our soccer team, It's it's been some depressing years uh, as an Irish soccer fan, you know, every time we come up against the big boys, we fall short. Um, you know, even rugby, we have a fantastic rugby team, but again, we come up against the big boys and we fall short. But here's this guy rubbing shoulders with with the best of the best, and uh, he looks like he belongs there, and he talks like he belongs there, and he fights like he belongs there. That's that's huge uh, for us, a little small island over here, to see that, you know. Um, and and yeah, and and for me personally, yeah, it's it's every time I walk into one of these events and I'm sitting on press row, it's insane to see the guys, even seeing Robbie. And Art and, and, and John walking out and everything like, you know, I used to watch John make that walk maybe 10 times in one night with the amount Damn. of amateurs he had in the Irish scene. You know, he, he'd be in and out like he wouldn't have time to stop. And um, so it, it, it is, it's, it's certainly pinch yourself kind of moments when you're sitting in the MGM Grand about to watch, you know, one of the biggest fights of all time. I'm sure that's going to be a very special moment for all the Irish fans there.
1: And interim title or not, I know you're not a sports historian, but in your opinion, if he wins on Saturday, where does that rank in the history of Irish sports?
2: It's big. It's, it's big, but uh, the fact that it is the interim title, people will always kind of say, you know, well, what's he going to do with the champion? You see, that's automatically an interim title will do that. Um, you know, over here, obviously a big boxing culture people didn't really understand the interim thing when it emerged first. you know, and um, we were asked a bit about it. Uh, it's going to be huge to see him in there with a belt though. And, and, you know, he's going to treat it like it's, it's the <laughs> undisputed championship. You know, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, and he, he's going to say that, you know, Aldo didn't fight him, you know, and he had the chance and he didn't. And, um, I'm pretty sure like, this is, you know, if, if he wins, you know that's that's going to be an even bigger fight now. I can see it being even sure. bigger because of all this. It, it's like it's like adding to the countdown. You know, it's like another it's another five minutes in the countdown, and, and it's it's huge. You know, it really is.
1: Are you surprised that he agreed to fight Chad Mendez on two weeks' notice?
2: I think it's incredibly incredibly brave. I think it shows the kind of guy he is. And um, you know, there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. That uh, you know, UFC said, "Look, we can put this back a few weeks. We can wait for the rib. We can do it in October." Um, but he—he's very loyal to his Irish fans, you know. Um, that's one thing I'll, I'll always say for Connor, Like he really—he loves his—he loves his fans, and he knows how much this is costing people. He knows that people have saved for a long time to come over for this event. And um, you know, he said it, sure. He said it on ESPN when he made the announcement. He you know, this there's tens of thousands being spent here from the Irish, probably more, like probably way more than that. But um, and uh, he he wants to perform for them, and I, I know it's going to be a really special night for, like obviously you were in Dublin, a lot of guys were in Dublin, but to hear the I know we they were at you know the Poirier fight as well, but the numbers that are going to be there that night and the electricity that they're going to bring with them, you know, it, it it's going to be a phenomenal night, I imagine, even the atmosphere, regardless of the result.
1: Let's say you're a part of Team McGregor. Perfect world, would you have rather face Mendez on two weeks' notice or Frankie Edgar on two weeks' notice? What's the better matchup in your opinion?
2: Um, that's a tough question. Um, I think I'd I'd go. I think I go with Mendez. I, I, um, Frankie Edgar to me is a is a very, he's a hard fight, you know, he's a, the hardest fight in the business, because he's going to stay in your face, uh, you know, and, and stay there for five rounds, you know, look at what he did to Cubs once, and it was incredible, you know, it was absolutely incredible, and um, I think, I think Mendez. There, there's a bit of back and forth there, with Conor, for a long time, with Mendes, he even brought it up, when he signed the contract, you know, the, the balls on the forehead incident, mm-hmm. you know, so it kind of was more of an immediate sell, so I understand why the UFC did that, Um. I thought, you know, I th- I thought Frankie or or Mendes could have got it. I didn't really mind either way. But one thing I do know is that Mendez has hit the gold rush here with this fight. Yeah. Because it's the only way, you know, he could have got straight back onto Aldo. Like, if he wins this title on Saturday night, he gets his third shot at Jose Aldo after two defeats, which is pretty unprecedented.
1: Yeah. Know? I know. So, um, it, it, it yeah, I,
2: I probably would have went for Mendez. Yeah. Um...
1: You've seen him train. As I said, you've watched him for a long time. How would you rate Conor McGregor's wrestling? That's the question we're going to get answered finally on Saturday. They keep throwing out this 100% takedown defense um, ratio, but let's be honest. No one really tries to take him down in any of these UFC fights. How would you rate his wrestling no, game?
2: No, you're dead, he right? <laughs> yeah. um, Actually, I was, I was privileged enough to, to go across and have a look at the camp now, now this is a long time out. We were seven weeks out from the fight there. And the training session I got to there was a lot of wrestling involved and he looked he looked great. You know, this is against the guys from SBG. Uh, you know, Owen Ruddy was there, obviously a legend of the sport over here. Artem Loboff, more of a stand-up guy. Tom it, it has a great grappling base, but I saw him mix it with these guys. And um, you know, he looked great. He looks really strong in grappling. Like the Irish people the Irish fans kind of know that that it's there. You know, I've seen him training a good bit and we know what he's capable of it's kind of uh Sean Sheehan actually put it quite well he kind of said these questions we have about Connor become fatal flaws immediately they're not they're not questions they're used as a flaw against him immediately and i think that's a really good point because we haven't seen we haven't seen him kind of toy up with someone we haven't seen him defend a single leg against the cage you know we haven't we haven't seen him kind of do that kind of thing and and, and i hope Mendez goes in and asks that question you know, we really do. I hope he goes in and asks that question.
1: Yeah. What well, what a sight that would be if the fight starts like a Chael Sonnen versus Andrew Silva and he takes him down right away. I mean, could you imagine? He's yeah, all- yeah. <laughs> Wow. That place is, I don't even know how That's that place thing. is going to react.
2: Exactly. <laughs> imagine, yeah, yeah. And uh, the thing is, I've actually, that that was one thing I saw him doing quite a lot of was uh, kind of just watching him kind of getting back up so quickly. Mm. Um, and it, it reminds me of, uh, Jose Aldo, the way he he kicks up so quickly, you know what I mean. He kind of feeds on that leg, and then he'll go off in the other direction. Kind of does kind of a uh, different kind of way of doing. It. He kind of creates space with his guard, and he kind of hops up. It's all kind of nearly one movement. But um, I'm looking forward to see how how that goes down against Mendez. I know everybody is, and um, obviously we've seen Mendez's incredible red, wrestling pedigree. And I just hope, I really hope that you know we've seen so much of Mendez stand, standing and trading in the pocket now. You know, he's the guy that people want to ask this question. Let's let's see if he can do it, you know. Almost intrigued as everyone yeah.
1: else. Uh, you're one of the lucky ones who got to go to the McMansion in Las Vegas, right? What does that seem like? It, it looks to yeah, me like yeah. an Irish train station when they show it on uh, Embedded. I mean, there's an amazing yeah. amount of people there. I don't know how that's uh, enjoyable for him, but I guess he likes to be around his friends. What's it like in there?
2: Yeah, it's it really, it's really was kind of a fun vibe when I was there, but, you know it's very intense when they're talking about fighting. And the one thing I've taken from it as well, Jose Aldo didn't come up that much. You know, I always wonder, because um, I always wondered, you know, this kind of, there is no opponent and stuff like that. You know, when they tell me that, like, I'm always wondering, is is it really like that? But all he was kind of talking about was like world champion, number one, when I get this belt, that kind of stuff. You (laughs) know what I mean? And it's funny, it's a funny place to be because the whole mansion is like a training area. You know, the whole, like they have... uh, they have a matted area in the basement where uh some of our Severe and May guys are sleeping, we're sleeping while I was over there. They have a matted area there for jiu-jitsu. They have reebok heavy bags coming into the house all the time. And like at any time there's guys shaping in front of each other, you know? Like <laughs> I can remember looking how Owen Roddy was cooking dinner. Owen Roddy was cooking dinner on the grill out the back and in between like flipping steaks, he was doing like showing Lee <laughs> Hammond, one of the younger guys. A punch combination. And then Lee would go around and do the punch combination all around the pool. Like it's it's kinda of like that it's they're so immersed in yeah. this fight, you know what I mean? Like that's I felt like a bit I felt a bit weird. I know these guys a long time, but I felt weird coming in because it was all fighters, you know. That yeah. was it was all about this fight when I was there. Six seven weeks out it's all about the fight.
1: I loved when we saw them. You see all these uh these Irish fighters and, and credit to him for remaining with the same team and I'm used to seeing them all kinda You know, pale, pasty, and they're all glowing with their nice tans and their hairs all flowing and stuff, just living the good life over there in Las Vegas. Okay, before I let you go, I have to put you on the spot here. You know, I got to do it, and I hope you're going to be as unbiased as possible. Who is going to win on Saturday, and how?
2: Conor McGregor, second round. (laughs) Second round. KO. That's what. That's what I think. I think he. I think he will knock him out because I think Chad. Chad likes to stand with guys now, and look, he he absolutely can because he has dynamite power on that right hand. You know, he's folded he's folded about five guys with his right hand now, and uh, he, he's very get he's very good at getting in and out. He has that um, I think that's from his wrestling background the way he can shoot in. You know, because he, we've seen him like shoot in with the upper hand, right, catching guys handy. But what what Chad Mendes does is he backs up, he backs up an awful lot, and I think Connor's just going to keep pressing him down when that happens. You know, I can see him staying on him. And if a gap appears, I, I really do think that Connor's angles and his shot selection is that clever. You know, I think I think he can confuse a lot of guys. He puts puts something extra on his punches, as Owen Roddy was saying to me. He puts something extra on his punches, so they kind of they're nearly like delayed hitting you, so you don't know when they're coming, and that's when the lights goes out. But um, I think I think yeah, I, I do think he, he's very capable of knocking Chad Mendes out, and I think it won't be in the first round, but I think he will do it in the second round.
1: Wow. And a big week for you guys. What you? Oh, I'm reserving the right. You know, to be honest, I I've stopped predicting because guys get too mad at me. I see them backstage and they get all you know, they get all defensive and and sensitive about the whole thing. So I I've stopped doing it. To be honest, I have a pick in my heart. What's that?
2: And what about them? Neil Siri at the bottom of the card again? We talked about this last yes. time. We thought you were going to tell someone. To start <laughs> that out for me.
1: Look, at least he's on the card. You got Pendred, you got Gunnar Nelson, you got Siri. It's good enough. I know you and Siri are like BFF on Twitter, but uh, you know, let's let's keep the he, the he biases is, he's in check. Me. What?
2: <laughs> <laughs> he hates me. He hates me. He charges me money for interviews. That man. He, he, you know, he's a burden <laughs> in my life. You don't understand.
1: Well, he's a working well, man, um, so he yeah. can use all the money he can get, right?
2: Yeah, he's greedy. He's greedy.
1: Well, I will say this. It's it's a big week for you guys. I know Invicta has some Irish flavor as well. And, uh, you know, one of the best stories to come as a result of all this Conor McGregor stuff is uh, I love the fact that it has brought us, uh, you know, brought some attention to – New young journalists such as yourself and, you know, Sevier MMA doing so great. It's really, you know, helped your site rise. And uh, Graham and, and Sean and Andrew, all you guys doing fa- uh, fantastic work, phenomenal work. So th- that's a really cool byproduct of the Conor McGregor effect, which uh, makes me really happy to see. So I look forward to seeing all of guys in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, safe travels over there, and uh, I appreciate the time. Great insight as always.
2: Thanks so much, Ariel. It means the world of us, and thanks so much for giving us this platform as well. You know that's that's been huge for us. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we're we're always going to be big fans of the or And you, me- you, of course.
1: Thank <laughs> you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. The- there he is, Peter Carroll. As we cut him off, um, great stuff from him. You can check him out on Twitter at PT Carroll. He is uh, a great writer from Ireland, of course. Their coverage always slanted towards the Irish fighters, but it's it's always interesting to get, you know, the, uh, the viewpoint of the people who have been with this team, following this team, covering this team from day one. Truly, that's the case. So it's a big weekend for them. It's a big weekend for Irish fans, and it's a big weekend for the UFC because uh, on Fight Pass, of course, Invicta on Thursday, Cyborg main eventing, and they have three titles on the line, which is... Uh, Sometimes the kiss of death. And then Saturday, 189, two titles on the line. And then the tough finale on Sunday, also in Las Vegas. And we're going to see that play out on Wednesday. We'll know the finals. But the main event is, of course, Jake Ellenberger versus Wonderboy Thompson. Very interesting fight on the card. The co-main event, if you will, is Cesar Muchanch Fejera against our guest at this time, Jorge Masvidal. Is he there? Have we finally reached him? Jorge, are you there? What's up, man? Hey, hey, there he is. I'm very happy that you're finally on the show because, you know, I didn't make a big stink out of all this, but you were kind of unofficially banned from the show for a brief period. Did you know that?
3: Oh, man, why are you bringing up my past, man? Come on, man. <laughs> oh, it's a new day. That's, in the past. that's a 155, George, man. We got to <laughs> leave that alone, man.
1: Fair enough. That's uh, that's a, That's a great point, and I'll leave it alone right now. So you are going from 155 to 170, and uh, I thought you had, you know, great success. Of course, your last fight was somewhat controversial. You thought you won. A lot of people thought you beat Ally Quinta. Ultimately, you why thought
3: I won too. You're good. You're a good journalist. You're you're a good uh, um, MMA commentator. You know I won too, man.
1: Okay, so why why are we moving up to 170 then?
3: Uh, man, I've been wanting to go to 70 for, for a long time. I've been uh, every I, after Melendez's fight. My next fight with uh, Wilcox I had a real tough time cutting weight, and and around that time, I already said, man, I want to go to 70. You know, I've been. Uh, I, I run a tremendous amount of miles just to get down to like the 70s, you know. So I've just been thinking, man, I don't, I want to see what, how I perform if I don't have to wear myself out so much, you know, the week of the fight plus all the running I do in general, you know, I just want to go out there and compete, you know. And the main thing is at 55, I need a good amount of time to, to prepare for it just to make the weight cut. At 70, I could just take fights as they come, you know, and just compete as much as I want, you know.
1: So how much better is life now that you don't have to cut those uh, 15 extra pounds?
3: Oh, life is life is sweet, you know. Life is real sweet. I mean I am sleeping a lot more, you know. Once you get down low and weight for some reason you don't sleep as much, it's
1: it's uh it's a lot better life. So are we back to the uh the brownie for breakfast diet?
3: Uh not as much as when I was uh when I was a kid when I was younger that I could eat that and not um gain any weight off of it. I still have to diet and stuff. Um I, at the start of camp I was like one ninety four. So I still had to like uh, make a diet, you
1: know, and and not go too crazy, you know. That's one of my favorite stories. I remember when you were fighting in Force, perhaps even prior to the Melendez fight. Them showing you waking up and what would you have? Like a chocolate brownie with ice cream and some uh, some hot fudge even to boot. Is that what you would have?
3: Hot fudge even some ice <laughs> cream. Don't forget the ice cream.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of ice cream?
3: If 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 like I'm doing good with the money and I could afford it, Häagen-Dazs, man.
1: Häagen-Dazs <laughs> is splurging. Margin. Wow, and and if you're not doing good with the money, what do we go for?
3: Depends. on We got some supermarkets out here that make really really good ice cream. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Publix. They make like really oh, really yeah. good ice cream. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you can get like a whole gallon of it for cheap. You know.
1: Okay, okay. And then and are we still? Do you still have a lot of uh, fast food? Are you still into all that?
3: Uh, not, not that much. Cause like I told you, it was kind of heavy. I want to make this weight cut real smooth. Okay. Um, a lot of Spanish food is, is what I've been eating a lot, you know, my dad's back home with me. So he's been cooking, uh, like a motherfucker. So I've been eating a lot of Spanish food, like always.
1: Like, like well, what are we talking? What's Spanish food?
3: Oh, we talking about rice and beans and okay. pork chops, tortones, you know, uh, avocados, uh, all that.
1: Now how did you feel how did you feel when they moved this car? It was supposed to be in Florida, right? Which is where you live. Yeah. it uh, would have been great for you. No travel and now it's in Las Vegas. What do you think of that?
3: I actually like it like that better. I like fighting out of state. I don't really like fighting in Florida too much.
1: Oh really? Why is that? Yeah. It, too too much pressure, too many distractions? I mean,
3: no, no, no pressure at all. But everybody that you went to school with wants to call you for a ticket. Somehow they get your number. I don't even know how people get my number, and everybody wants a ticket or everybody wants, yeah, like, hey man, give me a backstage pass, some crazy like that. I would rather just go out of town and, and take care of business. You know, at the end of the day, it's my job. I don't wanna, I don't want no
4: extra distractions. You know.
1: And and this is uh, the tough finale card. Uh, American Top Team obviously representing against the Black Zillions. You're an ATT guy. Did you watch this season? And if so, did you like it?
3: I didn't watch every episode. I barely watched TV. Um, I, I caught a couple of episodes, and I was there, a lot of them, for, for the fights live. I was there for a lot of the fights. So I didn't see too much of the episodes, but uh, I, I did see a couple of them. The ones that I saw, I liked.
1: You liked it. You thought it represented yeah, I well. Liked it, uh, you liked the drama between Dan Lambert yeah. and Glenn Robinson.
3: Yeah, man, I like how Dan sets him down. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen one altercation where Dan... Uh, had his foot in his mouth. It seemed like every time Glenn made himself out to look like an ass man, but
1: uh, Dan's a funny dude, you know. Yeah, yeah, he is good. He's got the gift of gab, and we're talking to him in around uh, fifteen minutes or so. So uh, you you were you were very vocal. You were very upset after the I Quinta loss. Did you ever consider just saying eff it? Because I know you felt this way about a few other decisions. I mean, you kind of feel like you should be undefeated in the UFC, right?
3: Well, I definitely feel like that. I mean, the rules Rusev off I, I can see why people would uh, would say um. He won, you know. I thought he won the third round. I, I thought I won the first and second on close margins, but um, that one I, I could see people would lean towards that one because I've seen that tape and and he wins the third round And some of those other rounds are close, but the the cantano fight, I was, I didn't, I didn't, I've I've looked at the tape several times and I just I don't see like I, I threw more, I landed more. There was no damage on my face. I never got taken down and controlled. So it's it's just you know it's mind blowing to me. But whatever, you know.
1: What did you make of his post-fight interview when he told uh, the fans to f off?
4: Uh,
3: I mean, I felt like I got to him, you know that was kind of like the the ass whooping combined with the fans not being on his side that it just uh it all made him explode you know that's how I feel because if if he would have thought really he would have won he wouldn't have blown up like that probably you know he would have just been like all right, whatever you know yeah get yeah, yeah. the moving.
1: So I'm wondering, did you like did you feel at that point you know enough of this crap? I'm tired of this having these losses. Uh, or these wins turned into losses that I didn't deserve to lose? Did you ever feel at any point in that process, I know it was back in April, but it wasn't that long ago, it was just two months ago, did you think, ugh, enough, I need to take a break from the sport?
3: I I did feel like that initially, right after I was uh, was very upset. But I definitely knew right then and there that I wasn't going back to 55, you know? And I just wanted to compete and have fun and and get as many fights as I could in a year. So I, I just knew exactly at that point I wouldn't go back to 55, you know?
1: This is a funny fight because it feels like it's a, a 55er. You just came from 55er, uh, 55 against a 185er. A guy used to fight, you know what I mean? Like, do, are you worried at all that yeah. he's going to be too big for you?
3: We'll find out, man. I don't think he's going to be too anything for me. I think um, my speed, my reflexes, and, and my wrestling ability is just going to make for a great fight for him. I don't think this guy could take me down to save my life. And, and I haven't seen too much tape of him or nothing like that, but those 85ers are slow, man, compared to 55 to fiver. you know, especially somebody like me that's on the on the faster side of the 55ers. So mm. I don't think there's really any threat he has for me, you know?
1: So they're playing off the whole ATT Black Zillion thing with this uh, fight, of course. He's a Black Zillion guy. He's uh, Vitor's protege. How real is that for the team? Like, is is there a true rivalry where you guys get extra amped up when you're fighting a Black Zillion guy? You really hate them. You want to beat them. Is, is that a real thing for you?
3: Definitely. You know, definitely. Um, just because... we're we're both so close to each other you know Mm -hmm. we're both out of south florida you know you can't you can't claim to be the best team in the world if you're not the best team in south florida you know so we definitely got something to prove with them and um i mean you know the whole backdrop a lot of them used to train at, at, at att and then for whatever reason they decided to start up their own camp and then bad mouth att and then we bad mouth them and then you know the rivalry continues on but um i don't i don't think they're in the same league as us i think if you pull the numbers if you can have somebody to shuffle the numbers right now before the show's over, you'll see that we have a much better record than them in the UFC or any show, period. Any show across the across the globe, we have better records than them, you know, as far as competing goes.
1: Did they ever try to recruit you?
3: No, they never tried to recruit me.
1: What would you do if they came to you with a boatload of money and said, come over here? What, everybody has a price. What are we talking about? <laughs> a million bucks. Well, isn't that, isn't that the rumor that they paid a lot of these? Isn't that what Dan says, that they paid a lot of the guys? They,
3: that's what I've heard too from from several sources, but um, I don't know, you know, I have no, I don't, uh, I, that's what I've heard from other dudes, you know. Right, right, right. But when I was on the show with uh, I forgot his name. Um, he's you know, he's fighting Hyder now in the Ultimate Finale. He was saying they know that nobody's been recruited. I know guys personally that had told me. I'm not gonna say the name, but that they told me, and these were up and coming guys, not big name guys. That they were getting twenty five hundred dollars a month plus expenditures paid in a house to live in. So I was like, if these guys are getting that, imagine the, the upper echelon guys, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah. You know, when you first came into this board, and, and, and even recently, people always talk about your, your street fighting background, and Kimbo comes up. And now Kimbo's a part of ATT, and he was preparing for his Shamrock fight um, over there as well. Is that weird for you at all? Like, do, do you have any, any issues with him? Is it strange to be in the same gym as him now?
3: no way me and him always been cool since day one we've always we've always gotten along swell man that's yeah. my partner <laughs> yeah yeah i can my boy man
1: did you help him prepare for the fight i know you're obviously a different weight class and not, all but
3: not really um he had a different time that he that he would come in as opposed to me so we i barely got the scene for this camp but for other camps we worked around and wrestled a little bit and i just you know like showed him like a thing or two of how to get away from the cage or something like that you know but we've always been cool since uh since since i've known him <laughs>
1: And what's it like preparing? You're preparing, you know, now in the same weight class. Uh, at the same time, you're fighting same weekend as the champion, Robbie Lawler. Now that you're fighting at 170, did you work with him a lot?
3: No, we didn't get to work much either at this time because Robbie was doing, uh, he was coming in at different times as well. Oh, really? He had, uh, yeah, he was, he was coming in at different times, you know. The gym is so packed during during like prime time hours that we got to split up camps for, for, for guys, you know you get different times to come in. You know, like the heavyweights are come in different times, certain welterweights are come in different times. You know, so I didn't get to help out Robbie much this one. We wrestled a little bit and stuff, but but we didn't get to work as much as we usually do for other camps.
1: Since you're fighting the same weekend and in the same weight class, wouldn't it behoove you to to train with him?
3: Uh, yeah, definitely. But I'm fighting like a tall dude, also. You know, yeah. So I needed. I I got. I went on and got taller sparring partners. You know, like six foot and one and two and up. You know. Robbie's not uh Robbie's like about my height.
1: Are these guys outside of ATT, or you're just looking at the guys within ATT?
3: No, no, no. These are guys from ATT.
1: Okay. Um, all right. So, so you think that this is it? You're done with 155, or is this kind of just a way to, you know, reboot the career?
3: Uh, man, I was definitely done 155, and then when I heard that they're gonna ban Vs, I was like, "There's no way I can make 55." Uh. I lose about 18 pounds in the last two days. I'm just straight water, you know. So the, for me, there's no, there's if they take IVs away, there's no way I could go to 55.
1: Are you hearing that? I, from... If it was
3: like this, like they, like they made like, let's say they just banned it 170, yeah. and it was either 55 or 85, I'd go to 185 before I go to 55 with no IVs.
1: Wow, really? It's that beneficial?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah but... I can't, I could, I, my body fat at 173 is five percent, you know. So the rest is just straight water that I lose. I still gotta get to 56, so. I just ain't got that much uh, body fat at that weight already, you know?
1: Are you hearing the same thing from a lot of your your teammates, your friends who are UFC fighters, Bellator fighters, et cetera, that they are going to change weight classes once this goes into effect? Actually, Bellator isn't at play, excuse me, but UFC fighters, uh, once this goes into effect in October?
3: Oh, uh, I've heard a couple. I've I've heard more complaining and bitching and stuff. I haven't heard officially <laughs> like guys saying they're going to go up and weight. But I haven't heard not one person that's happy about it, and I just don't understand if, wait, if they could explain to us exactly why they're saying it's because of steroids. That could, you could fill through um out the steroids with IVs and stuff. But I mean, I don't know, man. There has to be a way that we can get hydrated and and keep it safe, you know.
1: Didn't someone from the UFC, perhaps even Jeff Nowitzki, come talk to you guys about this? Were you not there? Yeah,
3: somebody went. Yeah, somebody went. I wasn't there that day. Uh, but still, I, I talked to the guys that were there, and it wasn't a thorough explanation. It was more like, oh, this is what's going to happen, and that's it, you know? It wasn't... We, we need some. We need a voice. The, the MMA community needs a voice. Somebody that could uh, that we go to the table and negotiate with, because this should be more up to the fighters than anybody else, you know? It's a practice that guys have been doing for years, most of the career, and all of a sudden... From one fight to another, hey, no IVs. I know you've been doing it for 10 years, but that's it, no more IVs. It's just kind of crazy, you know?
1: Like like, like a, a, a fighter rep that, that you can voice your uh, concerns to and then they can talk to the UFC, right? Like you see in other sports.
3: Yeah, like you see in every other sport. You know, union something. We need something to, to, to stand behind us, not something that's, uh, that's motivated either by money or, or for their own benefits. You know, we need somebody standing for the fighters.
1: So this is a hot topic as of late. Do you actually think it will really happen one day? Are you starting to feel like the fighters are all getting on the same page here?
3: I'm hoping so, man. And the ones that ain't on the same page, I don't know if they're on drugs or what it is, <laughs> man, but everybody should be on the same page, you know. We are, we're all fighters, whether we like each other or not. This is how we're going to make the bulk of our money, you know. Most right. of us, at least. Some of us might go into acting or, or robbing drug dealers, I don't know. But for the most part, everybody's going to make most of their money here, so we need to stick together and, and get those paychecks, you know.
1: So the uh, the uniform comes into play. You'll be wearing that on, on Sunday as well. How do you feel about it?
3: Uh, I got mixed opinions about it, you know. Um, but at least it's a steady paycheck.
1: Yeah. How much, what, what tier are you in?
3: Uh, I don't... Man, I, <laughs> it's funny because I don't even know because I know <laughs> they count in the Strike force fights.
1: But only when Zufa owned it.
3: Yeah, only when Zufa owned it. So I think I got like... I think I got maybe two or three fights in Zuba. I'm not sure. I got I to gotta double check. Okay. And I got seven fights in the UFC now, so I think I'm at 10 fights.
1: T- this will be your 10th? 11th. This, this will be 11th. Oh, right, right, right. If you have three. Okay, got, got, gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, so I got
3: the three in Strike Force. I think when I fought KJ, the UFC had already purchased it, I think. And then Melendez, I know they owned it already in Wilcox. So I definitely got two from Strike Force. I got to see if that KJ one was in effect already.
1: So if you are in the 11th fight range, you'll be getting 10K. Yeah. That's, that's is, is that good? Is, is that better than you what you got for the Iaquinta fight?
3: Yeah, yeah. Better than what I got for the Iaquinta fight, yeah. In my case, yeah, it's way better.
1: And by the way, you fought KJ Noons in June of 2011. They purchased it in March of 2011, so that is at play. Woo! You know what kind of sucks?
4: In the 10K range.
1: You know what kind of sucks? Well, it, it doesn't affect you right now, but eventually it... It you know it just puts you minus one. The Evangelista fight was literally days before. That was March fifth, and uh, I think it was official like March eleventh. So that one doesn't come into play. That's kind of annoying. Uh it does suck. You
3: that, shouldn't even told me. I'm I didn't sorry. even know.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But for now, no. you are at, you are at eleven. So that's uh, that's obviously good news. And uh, when the Reebok thing came out, I believe a lot of people saw that you were affiliated with Cuba. Is that is that accurate? That you're going to be repping Cuba
4: for for what? You, did?
1: you know how like oh, yeah. all break. the all the the um, I don't know if you know this but all the 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 uniforms are tied to the fighter's home country so like Rory McDonald is repping Canada and uh McGregor is repping Ireland et cetera et cetera and I believe if if you look up your name it had you at least back uh last week tied to Cuba is that what you wanted or was that just uh what they assumed how did that happen Oh yeah that's what oh, you wanted yeah. you wanted that
3: yeah my, my that'll, make, that'll bring dear to my dad's eyes. That's awesome, man.
1: You'd rather Cuba than the U.S.?
3: Uh, Yeah. For me, it don't matter. I mean, as long as my, my family and, and, and my fans is, is happy with family. maybe it hurts my pockets, maybe it doesn't, I don't know.
1: No, no, but, it doesn't.
3: Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm proud to be Latin, you know what I'm saying? I'm proud uh, of the blood that runs through my body, you know, so I'm definitely happy it's like that.
1: Well, I guess you'll find out in just a couple of days, right, because you're going to get a, a, a bag full of gear, and then you'll find out if you're up in Cuba or not. Yes, sir. By the way, how do you feel about the whole Conor McGregor thing? I mean, that's really the uh, the most talked about thing of the whole weekend. Are you a fan of his?
3: What? What do you mean? Like what?
1: Just like the, the Conor McGregor phenomenon, the, the attention that he receives, how popular he is, you know, um, how much people talk about him. Are are you are you on that? Uh, you know, are are you on that same wavelength? You get why he's so he's so interesting for fans to talk about, media to talk about all the attention. He's main event interim title. I mean, this is kind of unprecedented stuff here.
3: Yeah, in, in uh, one side of the year, because the, the shit-talking is always going to be like, you, you look at WWF, people don't watch it because they're doing backflips off the cage, and they they watch it because people are talking shit, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's all they're doing, just talking shit on it. And he's doing it pretty good, talking the shit, but now it's his actual chance to back it up. You know, now he's fighting a, a stud in Chad Mendes. Everything that he's ever done or said, now is when it counts, you know, because if he loses, people, it's, it's going to be that much worse, but if he wins... It's going got to blow him up, you know? And I think Chad's a stud, and I think Chad's going to whoop his ass, man, to tell you the truth.
1: No, you think so? Not even uh, not even a close yeah. fight?
3: No, yeah, it could be close fight. It could be competitive, you know? Yeah, McGregor is, is, is well-rounded everywhere. I've seen him popping off off his feet, but that was against Seaver, you know? Sure. Mendes is a different type of wrestler, a different type of athlete. I think Mendes wins, man.
1: So since you're fighting on Sunday, will you even watch 189?
3: Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be watching it.
1: Will you go to the fight?
3: I need the UFC to give me some tickets. Oh, okay. they, were, they, were, they were stalling on the tickets on me.
1: All right. Well, hopefully they uh, they hook you up now. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a really interesting fight. Of course, playing off the whole ATT Black Zillion uh, rivalry, uh, Jorge Masvidal against Cesar Muchanch. It's this Sunday on Fox Sports One co-main event. Great to have you on the show, Jorge. Finally, the uh, the the beef has been squashed. The uh, suspension Man, has been lifted. Needs?
3: You crazy, man. I didn't even know we had beef, man.
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. You're the man. I appreciate the time. Good luck to you on Sunday.
3: Thank you, bro. I'll see you out there, man. All
1: right, there he is. Jorge Masvidal. Big fight for him in the welterweight division this Sunday in Las Vegas. All right, let's stick with the ATT topic. Of course, all uh, spring long we've been watching ATT versus the Black Zillions on The Ultimate Fighter, the first time that they did this new concept, first time outside of Las Vegas. And the big rivalry on the show uh, from day one has been Black Zillions owner-slash-founder Glenn Robinson versus ATT co-founder-slash-owner Dan Lambert. And it's a big weekend for ATT, not only because it is the tough finale on Sunday, but because one of their own, Robbie Lawler, defends his welterweight title on Saturday night against Rory McDonald. So we wanted to talk to Mr. Lambert about all of that and this uh, reality show fame that he is enjoying. And he joins us right now on the phone. Dan, are you there? I am. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for the time. I wanted to ask you first about something Masvidal just brought up. Uh, He said a lot of the fighters are upset, freaking out about this new... uh, this new IV rule that's going to come into play come October, as kind of the the father figure figurehead over there at ATT, are you hearing a lot of those complaints as well?
4: Yeah, I, I think the, the the main cause for the you know the quote unquote freakout was just the lack of notice that that we had when we when we had uh, Mr. Nowitzki and the, some representatives from USA to come by the gym and they were giving us you know, some of the highlights of the new policy. and They they said that the IV policy was going to go into effect July 1st. You know, we had guys fighting July 11th, July July 12th. You know, shortly thereafter, that that wasn't a a lot of notice. So there was certainly an uproar in the gym when that came out. I I guess the UFC dealt with that, at least on a short-term basis, by giving a bit of some leeway and a grace period until October 1st. But it's going to be a, it's going to be somewhat of a drastic change, and um, I'm not sure the discussion over that is, is finished at this point.
1: Do you think we'll see a lot of guys change weight classes as a result of this? You know, I, I hope
4: we do. You know, I'm not I'm not a scientist. I'm not as up on some of the exact details on, on, on the rehydration process and, and, and how it's going to compare with IVs compared to without IVs. But if some of the preliminary indications that I'm hearing are going to be true. I hope we do see some guys change weight classes because it sounds like there may be some serious health issues that could be involved should guys elect to stay in their weight classes and try to rehydrate other ways. So I'm not sure we've got some people on it. I've got um, some people reaching out to some people with better knowledge than I have on the subject, and people are going to have to reevaluate a lot of things.
1: So, what about this uh, reality show experience for you? It's wrapping up on Wednesday. The finale is on Sunday. It's 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 largely been about you versus Glenn. Uh, you had the relay race on uh, this past Wednesday show where you beat him. Uh, full disclosure: I also reached out to Glenn to come on to. Uh, this week's show at the same time as you, just to sort of wrap it up. But uh, you know, he had some concerns and politely declined, which you know I have to respect. Uh, for you, as someone who has been a part of this sport for a very long time, you know what, uh, over twenty years or so at this point, um, and you've largely been in the background. I mean, you're not a guy who demands a lot of attention for himself, does a lot of interviews, etc. What has this experience been like?
4: Um, you know, I wasn't too keen on doing the show at, at the first offer. You know, it, it, our team is about our team. You know, it, it's not about any individuals. It's not about any coaches. It's certainly not about the owner. It's about, it's about the fighters and, and it's about a team. And, you know, we spent a lot of time and a lot of years trying to promote it that way. What you know, when the offer came out to do the show, you know, I wasn't really aware of the fact that they were going to try to focus in on, you know my rivalry with Glenn, for lack of a better word. <laughs> um, we agreed to do the show because we thought it would be good exposure for our coaches, for our fighters. Um, it's going to it would open up a door of opportunity to get some additional guys into the UFC, which is getting harder and harder as the roster expands. Um, so we agreed to do it. You know it was a it was a good experience. I would say that the you know the main reason that I was interested in doing the show is because. I just kind of wanted the people to see what Glenn was really like. He he spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of publicist time and money in trying to create this false narrative of who he is and how he started his team. And I was just yeah. banking on the fact that you know, over six weeks of, of filming the show that a real guy would show up. And, and lo and behold, we finally saw him last week, so I was kind of pleased
1: about that. So do you feel like at any point rewatching it? You know, you're you're on national television. You're arguing things like that. I mean, I'm sure you don't want to be. Uh, yeah, who wants to be you know painted in that light? Was there anything that you regretted? Now, maybe I took this too far. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said this. Was there anything like that where you were kind of cringing while watching it? Because sometimes a rivalry, of course, will bring out the worst in people.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt. I watched some of this some <laughs> of the show and, and sat back and said, "Oh boy, I, I really look like a dick there." Um, <laughs> But I guess you know how are you going to do it. But then at the end of the day, you know I've just been around too long to sugarcoat stuff. I call it like I see it, you know. And you know I'd rather I'd rather do it that way. And you know sitting here right now, yeah, there's some things I probably shouldn't have said or the way I said it. But I'll take this opportunity that if I if I offended anybody out there that that isn't on Glenn's payroll, uh, I apologize.
1: What was the vibe amongst the fighters? Because this was a very weird, different type of show where they weren't actually fighting for a UFC contract. I know the finale will play out on a UFC card, but none of these guys were guaranteed contracts. Uh, Did you feel like they wanted it as much as in previous years? And are you confident that some of these guys will get that payoff of fighting in the UFC once this is over?
4: I absolutely believe the guys wanted it. I just think that it was a little different dynamic this season because you know, in other seasons it's all about the individual's. And, the, you know, the reasons they wanted it is because they want to get into UFC and they want to be the winner. And whereas you still had that this season, obviously guys want to succeed and they want to get to that next level. You know, it was really more about the two teams. You know, people really, really wanted their teams to win. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example of it. You know, the, the second fight, we threw a young guy in there, Urus and, and he didn't perform well and he got held down and he had a real disappointing performance from his standpoint, but that that evening, the evening of that fight, you know, we're back in the gym training, and he's jumping in there, holding pads, helping to get the next guys ready. You know, he wasn't sitting there dwelling on his loss or feeling sorry for himself. He was more upset that you know he didn't get the points for the team, and, and his main concern was, what am I going to do to to help the next guy? Mm. So a little bit of a different dynamic in that respect. You know, the blacks Sill- pretty cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, black stallions. Uh, for a brief period, they were really struggling in the UFC, and they've turned things around to a degree. Are you surprised that they're even around? Like, did you think that at some point this uh, this team would crumble because, you know, as you said, they've, they've, they've poached fighters, they've paid fighters, these are your claims. Um, at some point, those things kind of, you know, they, they, they kind of collapse. Honestly, are you surprised that they're even in play, that they're even a, a thriving team to a degree in 2015, July of 2015?
4: Well, you know when when, it, when they first came about I was somewhat hopeful that it was it was just a, a whim of a, of a rich guy who wanted to dabble into something and when they started out with a bang and brought in a bunch of big names or bought in a bunch of big names I probably should say that you know if it didn't go well for him, maybe the guy would give up and go on to something else but I guess I'll give him a little bit of credit he he stuck it out and he kept putting his money where his mouth was and I think he just really really badly wanted to be a big shot in this business and be on TV or whatnot. And, and he stuck it out. And, you know, over the years, they have certainly improved and, and they've become a very legitimate team. I mean, they've gotten better. They've brought in better coaches. They've, they've learned a lot of, of how to run a team over the years, which you knew they would. I just wish that they would have, you know, not promoted themselves and presented themselves as the best team in the world on day one and, and developed guys and waited until they got to the point to where they were successful to, to claim that, that, that spot in the sport, you know, they kind of did it the other way around. They, boom, we're here, we're the best, you know, and, and, and that's not the way it works. You know, you got to slowly earn your way and, and develop as a team and they've done that and they've, they've become a very legitimate team. And, you know, the fact of the matter is people on their side say that, you know, ATT hates them because now they're good and they're winning fights and, you know, they're getting guys in championship fights, and that's not the core of the dispute. You know, we like competition. We like having guys that are good. We, we're we very close friends with guys over at AKA and Jackson's and other teams like that because we like the competition. Everybody in this sport should like the competition. We don't dislike them because of where they are right now. We just we like them because of the way they started and how they, they jumped out of the gate. <laughs>
1: Man, this is a feather in my cap right now. I want to bottle this moment um, and, and save it forever. I just got Dan Lambert to sort of, kind of, give the Black civilians a compliment. I think this is a first. This is historic. This is exclusive right here.
4: Hey, you know, I call, like I see, and you know, I'm not going to yeah. sit here and say that I mean, they don't have good quality fighters and good quality trainers. I just don't like how they, how they got to that point.
1: So, what has Robbie Lawler winning the belt meant for the team? ATT, have you noticed that everyone stepped up their game? That there's a new pep, and everyone stepped to finally get that first UFC champion. Did it change anything for the team at all?
4: You know, I I, I think short term it, it popped up everybody's spirits. It, 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 Robbie really is a is a is a great example for everybody in the gym to follow. He's the way he just approaches everything from his professional to his personal life he's just he's a real good role model and I, and I think he sets the bar really high and let a lot of the other guys on the team say man I, I need to follow in those footsteps and then maybe I can get to where where he got so it was it was a nice pep for everybody it lifted everybody's spirits up and it, you know it shows the, way, the the way that you know it, it should be and, and, and you can be if you, if you do things a certain way um, so it was it was nothing but positive for the gym.
1: How do you feel about the way this has been promoted, this fight, this rematch against Rory? It has really flown under the radar. I mean, I really can't remember the last time a legitimate title fight has received so little attention. And, of course, that's because of the whole Conor McGregor thing in the main event. That was uh, obviously much hype. Uh, Does that bother – I know Robbie couldn't care less. I mean, this is a guy who would probably rather do zero interviews. But, you know, from a team perspective, how do you guys feel about this?
4: You You know, the most important thing at the end of the day is just winning fights. Mm -hmm. and and that's what's important to Robbie, and that's what's important to us. The the, the promotion side, the fanfare side of it, that's the UFC's job. That's not our job. It's our job to get guys ready to fight, put them in the best position to win, and cross our fingers and hope it goes that way.
1: So you have him as a guy, and I know you get the the sport and you've been around a long time. hasn't bothered you one bit. Not one bit. That's good. You know, uh, my colleague, Chuck Mindenhall, wrote a really fun piece about you after uh, Robbie won the belt about your, your love of, or in, in, in your collection of old professional wrestling belts. I remember you telling me this. I think we were in Dublin last year when you told me about this. I was blown away by this that you actually collect pro wrestling belts. What's the crown jewel right now? What's the number one? And, and how many do you have for those interested, including myself? Yeah, It's
4: somewhat embarrassing, I guess. No, I no, I love it. Wrestling Nerd. I'm a total nerd. Um, I think at last count, I had about a hundred Wow. Uh, old, actual ring-worn pro-wrestling belts, I would say. Um, the crown jewel I had was the original WWWF heavyweight title, and they started the promotion, and they brought in Buddy Rogers to lose the belt to Bruno Sammartino to start the promotion. I kind of had to give that back to the WWE because they're doing a Hall of Fame, and they found out I had the belt, and they really wanted it, and a little pressure on the guy that got me the belt that makes their belt. So I had to work out a deal with that, so I no longer have that. But I've got, I've got a, a litany of belts from every old regional promotion in the world, dating back to the 50s and the 60s. I've got, you know, the first belt Ric Flair ever held in the business, the old Mid Atlantic Tag Team Title. I've got the old Georgia Heavyweight Championship belt that was on TBS for all those years. I've got the World Class Title. It's a, I mean, if you're a fan of old time wrestling, yeah. regional promotions, I've, I've got some crazy belts it's fun
1: what, what's the first one you got like when did this all start oh boy i couldn't even
4: couldn't even remember i think that it was probably back around 2002 when i first got and i actually bought a a, a group a block of belts there were like 15 belts that an old collector had and
1: huh.
4: he no longer was just in holding them i bought those and that kind of jump-started the collection
1: when's the last time you bought one Um, probably about a year ago. It's, it's weird. They
4: come in a, uh, they come in spurts where a bunch of them become available at one time just by coincidence, and then you go through dry spells. The last thought I got was the old WWF belt that on Saturday Night's main event when Hulk Hogan got jumped by Kurt Hennig and he, he destroyed the belt and broke it up into a thousand pieces. Mean Gene Oakland actually collected the belt, put it in a bag, and had it in his collection. I ended what? up getting
1: it from a guy through him. Yeah, this is amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, there's really there's, there's
4: <laughs> real fun stories that go along with every belt. It's kind of cool.
1: What's the most you paid for one? Um, twenty five thousand dollars. What? Really? That's amazing. Which one, if you don't mind me asking?
4: That was that was the Bruno belt, the oh. original WWWF heavyweight. And they belt. took
1: it back. It was
4: kind of a weird story. It wasn't theirs, they didn't have the right you know. The to they just made a, a, a request for it. You know, they wanted to buy it from me, and I didn't want to sell it. But the guy that got it for me is a friend, and he does business with them, so it was going to put him in an awkward situation. So I, I worked out a trade. They gave me a couple of their current belts. They gave me some front row tickets to a Monday Night Raw, and we called
1: it even. Is, is that a fair trade?
4: Um, probably not, but it, it hooked my friend up.
1: Okay. Did they give you any of like the contemporary ones? Like, oh, this is the one that, uh, you know, John Cena or something. like that. Was, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, sure. I've
4: got I've, I've got the, the last belt Brock Lesnar held. Oh, wow. There in WWE. And if you remember that WrestleMania where Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit both won the main event and the co-main event, they both came in there with their big titles. And I, like, this, I think it was WrestleMania 20. I've got those two belts. You've got those? And how,
1: how do you know that those are the actual ones?
4: I'm friends with the guy that makes them all, so he authenticates them all before I end up with them. Holy
1: moly! I mean, that, that's kind of a really fascinating one because of the whole Chris Benoit situation.
4: Yeah, I actually had the first—I had the first belt the Rock ever won. Wanted it at a at a show in a flea market, you know, USWA developmental territory in Tennessee, and he actually came to our gym to film an episode of. A reality show he was doing a year or two ago so we gave him that belt as a gift
1: and it was pretty cool wow this is amazing i could talk about this all day uh okay last question I about. Too,
4: but, but you're a nerd
1: <laughs> yes so that's sure okay that's fine i probably don't want to hear it can i one last question about the belts to me the crown jewel the the number one that you got to get and you might have it is uh the montreal screwjob belt do you have that one no, I do not. I've never heard of anybody that does have that. That that would be a pretty That cool would be film. a cool one, right? Do you have them all displayed somewhere in your house or your office? I've got them in a the closet. <laughs> take them out and play with them every now and then. With, do you, with kids or just by yourself? Do you parade around just, like just buddy? By my, just, That's cool.
4: Just by myself. I've got a, I got a couple nerd friends that come over and play with them, too.
1: Nice. I like it. By the way, how do you feel about the whole Reebok deal? How does that affect you? <sighs>
4: You know, it, it, and me individually as a, as a team owner, yeah, it, it doesn't affect it doesn't affect us at all. But I mean, it certainly affects the fighters, and you know, we've heard some, you know, some ideas as to how it's going to play out. You know, short term, I, I don't think a lot of the guys are happy about it. Um, maybe that changes long term. I, I don't know. I got my fingers
1: crossed, though. Mm. You know, it was uh, it has been famously discussed that you were interested in buying the UFC way back when, before Zufa. How often do you think about that? Do you think, oh, man, if I would have gotten that for $2 bucks, it would be different. I would have done this differently. I could be doing this. Do you, you, you harp on that a lot?
4: Uh, you know, if, if it ever comes up, the only thing I think is how fortunate all the fighters and managers or fans are that it ended up the way it did in the hands of the guys it was because they put a ton of time and a ton of money and ate a lot of losses in it before it turned around so I, I, I look to think of what the business was back then and how the fighters survived back then and and then I look at how many people have jobs and make livings now and pretty decent ones at times uh, based on that and I'm not just talking about fighters I'm talking about managers and instructors at gyms and and people who work at the front desk at all these dojos around the yeah. country that have you know that are succeeding more because of the interest in, in MMA and and it turned out pretty damn well the way it turned out.
1: Would it have been just you or a group of people?
4: It was actually going to be me, uh, John Peretti, if you remember yep. John. Yep. And the old WEF promoter, Jamie Levine, was involved in it as well.
1: Wow. And did you get so, outbid, or did you pull your offer? No, I actually signed a contract, put a down
4: payment, which they needed in advance to fund the show in new jersey that larry hazard had given you know temporary approval for for them to regulate one show and the nevada commission was going to come and watch that show to you know hopefully lead to you know further regulation from other commissions um put the money up for that had a closing date scheduled like two months after that show and you know once they did that show i guess they they had a better offer from somebody else and i just kept getting returned phone calls from Oh. from Bob Meyerwitz, So it was it was kind of a disaster that worked out really well for everybody in the end. I would have liked to have gotten my deposit back from, from Meyerwitz. I had to sue him. But uh that's just kinda the of way it goes. Sometimes. Did you,
1: did you get it back in the end?
4: I ended up taking pennies on the dollar after a few years of him a bunch of money illegally because just it was just going
1: nowhere. Wow. So he kinda of screwed you? Oh, he definitely screwed me. <laughs> Royally, do you think right. you would have poured in as much as the Fertitas did uh, before turning things around and the number was like around forty million? I yeah, I'll write you a check for it. If you can get a cash we'll split it. I don't have that kind of funny dude. I know. So so I is, gonna, so is I it, was gonna keep it small,
4: I was gonna do the same three or four shows a year they were doing and I was just gonna sit back and, and hope that they they could get it regulated and uh, and I probably never would have gotten anywhere near any of those goals.
1: So, possibility UFC's not even around today. Well, if it had gone that way, it, it may have stayed around, but it would have been a, a much real, small,
4: very, very, very small scale. I just didn't want to see it go out of business. I wanted a place for our guys to fight.
1: Sure. And, and and did you ever consider getting into the promotional business afterwards? You know, something else. Were any and, other...
4: You know, I I had done shows prior to that. You know, I had kind of co-promoted some of the old WEF shows that Jamie Levine did with him. I did the Absolute Fighting Championship. We did twenty or show shows down in South Florida, but we were doing that more because, you know, there weren't a lot of shows out there and, you know, you needed to get your guys experience. You know, obviously you don't, you're not going to a, get a guy ready to fight in a big show without getting some experience. And even if you were able to get him in a big show, you didn't, you don't really want the first fight he's in where he gets punched in the face or put in a bad position to be in front of 10,000 people in a big show. So we promoted shows for years just to get our young guys experience because there were no, weren't a lot of other options. Once, the UFC's popularity took off. Shows started springing up all over the place. So we no longer had to promote our own, our own uh-huh. shows because we had, we had other options.
1: Yeah, now you don't have that problem, of course, with so many UFCs. Um, okay, last thing. Boy, actually, it, go it, ahead. it's gotten a little
4: more difficult. It, it has. It's gotten a little more difficult as of to find shows for young guys. We've actually had to start up our own amateur show again.
1: Oh, really? Well, why do you think that is? There's more yeah. UFCs now than ever. You know, I don't know if it's just maybe it's because there's more
4: UFCs than ever and there's not as much support for the local shows because, you know, why go to the local show when you can get the big show right on TV literally every week, sometimes for free? Um, I don't know if that's it or if it's just, you know, it's it's run its course a little bit, but we've had to go back to the old model of putting on small shows for young guys to get them experience again.
1: So in that way, the Ultimate Fighter probably... uh... A really great thing for the for the team, right? You know, above all the drama and all that. I mean, a lot of guys probably got some shine that wouldn't have gotten shine. It
4: was clearly a good thing for the guys to, to, to get some exposure, and I think it was also a good thing because it, I think it gave a good contrast between how how our team operates and how and how theirs does as well.
1: So, what's bigger for you? You're going to be in Vegas, right? I will. So, what's bigger for you? Is it is it Robbie Lawler representing the team, fighting for the belt, or the culmination of this? Uh, "Quote unquote rivalry, if you will, on Sunday.
4: Wow, um, obviously they're, they're, they're both big fights for us, but it, it doesn't get any bigger than than having a champion and having the champion defend the title.
1: You feel confident going into it? Yes,
4: I absolutely, I absolutely feel confident. You know, Rory McDonald's a, a really talented guy. There's no easy fights in the UFC at any level, certainly not at the championship level. And Rory's a real difficult guy to look good against. But you know, Robbie's ready. He's in the best shape of his life. He's a hard worker and he's gonna be better than he was the last time he fought Roaring he's gonna be the last time he's gonna be better than the last time he fought
1: anybody. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Uh great to have you on the show. It's been a while since I've wanted to uh you know get you on and uh I again I could talk about the the belt stuff all day. Really fascinating and uh I don't know. I, I want you to get uh, keep us posted. Can you you're not on Twitter, right? No, I'm not on Twitter. You don't do that yeah, sort of thing? too old for that stuff yeah all right i was gonna say you could tweet out when you get your next belt let me know if you could text me i'd be i'd be curious to see what you get your hands on next
4: i will because you're probably other than a small group of nerdy friends <laughs> i have you're probably the only person in the world who cares
1: <laughs> dan i appreciate the time very much great job on the show good luck this weekend thanks for having me all right there he is dan lambert co-founder of american top team owner Great guy. It's always fun to uh, catch up with him at the events. And uh, dedicated, old-school, pro-wrestling belt collector. How about that? Pretty amazing stuff. Big weekend for them. uh, Coming up in Las Vegas with Robbie Lawler defending his welterweight title and the finale of Tough 21 ATT versus the Black Zillions on Sunday. If you missed... Last week's episode, and you know, credit to Dana White for being honest about how this season has gone. Uh, some of the early fights, obviously, were were rather dull. And as I said on this show, um, the stakes were different. It, it felt different because they weren't fighting for a UFC contract like the previous twenty seasons. They were essentially fighting, you know, to to win the the turf war, the South Florida turf war, and. It just kind of felt like, okay, well, what are we really watching here? You know, like, well, what's really at stake other than money and bragging rights? But last week's episode, if you have not seen it, I, I do suggest checking it out. The fight is just complete bananas, and uh, there, there's a bit of an incident afterwards. The relay race is, is a lot of fun. It, it finishes, it all culminates this Wednesday, and then the finale is on Sunday. But last week's fight, one of the more entertaining, tough fights in recent memory. No joke. A very bizarre fight. I mean, I guess I could talk about it because it's not uh, it's not, you know, it already happened. It's just like a strange like one of the fighters was out and then he comes back and he submits him. And it just and then Glenn Robinson gets all uh, you know, he gets to a degree rightfully so, very upset. The commission's involved. Just a just a crazy turn of events. Forget about tough, one of the crazier fights I've seen in, in recent memory, period. That Ultimate Fighter card, like I said on uh, on Thursday, while doing the MMA beat, really flying under the radar, and I'd love to know. I'd love to know why. I'll probably ask this this weekend. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but I really feel like if they would have done it on Friday, it would have it would have been a really great appetizer for ufc 189 because you can have this free platform to sell ufc 189 to the public one last push um you have the culmination of of tough 21 it just kind of feels like and especially especially uh you know last last year was 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 special because you had bj penn returning and the rivalry and all that now you don't have that angle and after what happened to BJ, it really felt depressing. I was mean, like, "Oh, if it would have happened on Friday, I think it would have been depressing to a degree." But we all would have forgotten about it and said, "Oh, UFC 175 is coming up. No big deal. You know, let's let's turn those frowns upside down. We'll forget about this and uh, we'll get ready for 175 this time around." It's it's somewhat missing that marquee fight, and uh, and and 189 is just so gigantic that anything is going to feel like somewhat of a letdown. There are some interesting fights on the card. Uh, Ellenberger-Thompson is is a fine fight. You have uh, Masvidal against Muchanch, as we talked about, the debut of Michelle Watterson against our good pal, Angela Magana. um Dan Miller fighting for the first time in a very long time. Our pal Nikita Krylov on the card. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not a bad fight night, but I wonder if there's going to be somewhat of a drop-off from saturday i mean that's just that's just an impossible impossible lead-in and they're not expecting the same kind of numbers the same kind of buzz same kind of media but uh for for the media covering international fight week when you talk about invicta on thursday and then 189 on saturday and then this on sunday this one's this one's the one that's getting lost in the shuffle cyborg fighting is is a big enough deal and it's before you know the storm really hits on saturday Um, this is the one that's going to get lost in the shuffle to a degree. But I'll be there covering it. I'll be doing my usual stuff. In fact, I'll be hosting the the weigh-in show, which I think is on Fox Sports 2 on Saturday. Saturday is a really busy day with those weigh-ins and uh, the Hall of Fame induction and then 189. Uh, What do we know about the induction? We know that Matt Hughes, uh, that was announced, is inducting uh, BJ Penn. Uh, I announced, reported on the MMA Beat that... Uh, Nick Lembo is inducting Jeff Blatnick, which I think is really cool. Um, I don't know if they announced the Frank Trigg Matt Hughes one yet. And then I don't know if they announced the Bas one yet. Those are the ones that are out there, as far as I know. But from what I understand, it's going to be a much different um, uh, event, production. Uh, John Annick is hosting it. It's just, it's not going to be like your typical UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be quite like the WWE Hall of Fame because it's still at the expo and people aren't paying to uh, check it out, but it's going to feel like a ceremony, like a bigger deal. And I think, you know, it's, it's worth checking out if you're there. If only for the BJ Penn factor, because I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he deals with being a Hall of Famer, how he comes to terms with the idea of being a Hall of Famer. Um, I think this is something that he's actually not all that comfortable with right now. And you you heard his, his voice, his demeanor on the show last week. It just, I don't know, it just kind of felt like... Man, uh this is a guy who doesn't really want to walk away but he has, you know, he's 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 kind of resigned to the fact that he doesn't have it anymore, that he doesn't have that same fire. But as New York Rick said and I think he put it best, this isn't a guy who like a Forrest Griffin or a Matt Hughes can just hang around the sport. Um, I don't think that's the case with BJ Penn. I don't think he could be an ambassador and just sit cage side and travel the country. I think it hurts him too much. I think unless it's a very big fight, a very big deal, he's probably not going to watch it. He's probably not going to follow it because he's one of these amazing competitors. And That's not taking anything away from Forrest Griffin and, and Matt Hughes. I think everyone's just a little bit different. BJ strikes me as one of those intense competitive athletes who just, if he can't be a part of it, would rather be doing something else. Um, and, and he said it himself, he, he hasn't been training all that much. He hasn't really been doing all that much. It's gotta be a tough thing for a guy who immersed himself in the sport. And that's really, you know, it's really been his identity for all those years to all of a sudden now be told, eh, you're, you're a little old, you can't hang, you're a hall of famer now, probably an exciting time, but something that you, you know, you, you, you kind of had been, um, dreading, you know, not, not really so much celebrating, but dreading because this is. To some degree, the final chapter, right? I mean, some guys come back after they're they're inducted into a hall of fame, but in this case, everyone presumes it's the final chapter. As far as MMA is concerned, would still love to see him do some um, uh, metamorphis or IBJJF, something like that. And by the way, while we're talking about next week, uh, since the Ultimate Fighter is on a Sunday, and uh, I'll have to travel back home on Monday. That means no MMA hour next Monday. We're back on Tuesday. So we wouldn't leave you hanging as far as UFC 189 recap and Glasgow is concerned. Um, But the show will not be on Monday. It will be on Tuesday from 1 to 4.30 Eastern. Same time, same place, just a day later. So definitely make note of that. I hate missing the Monday show, but there was no way around it with the Sunday night show. I wouldn't get back in time. Uh, I take the earliest flight, and I still land at, like, 3 o'clock here in New York because of the time difference. So there was no way around it. We'll have to make do. And there's going to be a couple other Tuesday shows coming up, one after UFC 190 because the flights only leave Sunday night from Brazil, and then one after Labor Day. So stay tuned uh, for that. Um, so we are supposed to have uh, Chell Sonnen. Uh, as you can see, I am kind of uh, buying some time here because uh, he is MIA. Uh, how, how shocking. And, and this was a, a big deal because if you know um, anything about my history with Shale, our, our relationship, our friendship hit somewhat of a rough patch uh, late last year. And uh, in my mind, to be quite honest, I thought, you know, there's probably, there's probably a chance that I'll never talk to the guy again, let alone have him on my show. Um, I, I was that hurt by some of the things that he said, um, some of the uh I don't know, the words that he used and uh, the things he lobbed in my direction. But time heals all wounds, and uh, we, we've we've uh, we've reconciled, and so I extended the olive branch, not really an olive branch, the invitation to have him on the show, and uh, in the back of my mind, I wondered. You know, I wondered what would happen. And uh, here we are, 15 minutes after he was supposed to be on the show, and no sign of Mr. Sonnen. So while we try to get him, we were supposed to have Inside the Vault after Chael. Let's do Inside the Vault before Chael. And uh, we are still trying to get him. As they say in the business, we are efforting to get Mr. Chael Sonnen. And uh, hopefully after Inside the Vault, we will get him. Now, this week's Inside the Vault is is very timely because uh, this past weekend was the... What was it? The uh, four year, yeah. The was it the four year, yeah. The four year anniversary of UFC 116. What a fantastic show that was, highlighted of course by Shane Carwin versus Brock Lesnar. An amazing moment, a great comeback. Uh, Lesnar had not fought since UFC 100. He had the diverticulitis issue. It was just, uh, it was, it was, it was devastating. We thought he would never fight again, and he comes back to fight Shane Carwin a year later. And is getting mauled in the first round. Josh Rosenthal really could have. I mean, it's an amazing thing when you watch it in hindsight because a lot of refs would have stopped it. He did not stop it. Lesnar survives and ends up submitting Shane Carwin to retain the title via arm triangle choke. Great moment afterwards where uh, he's on the mic and you know he's pointing the crowd to the crowd and all that, and he's just he's over the moon. It's 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 an amazing sight. It's a, it's a great moment, maybe second to his his. Uh, his win over Frank Mir at UFC 100 as far as UFC career is concerned. So uh, that was also the night where Chris Lieben came back on two weeks' notice to submit Yoshihiro Akiyama uh, via triangle choke, an amazing win for Chris Lytle over Matt Brown, uh, Stefan Bonner, Christoph Soschinski was a fun fight. George Sotaropoulos beat Kurt Pellegrino in a fight that a lot of people thought might be a number one contender fight for Pellegrino, if you recall. Just great fights top to bottom, a lot of finishes. Uh, Remember the Gerald Harris, David Branch KO slam. An amazing night, and it was just, what, uh, three months removed from UFC 112, where Dana White told me in Abu Dhabi it was the lowest moment of his UFC career, his tenure as UFC president. And then he comes back. Uh, three months later with u f c one sixteen and he tells me it was the best night of his u f c tenure He was uh the happiest guy in Las Vegas. The event was a home run, and this past weekend was the four year anniversary of that, and it really feels you know these these July fourth weekends, if you will are a culmination of sorts. It's kind of like the UFC's WrestleMania, and it feels like the same kind of buzz is back, and and, and they're really putting all their eggs in the Conor McGregor basket here and promoting him and trying to make it a special show. So it reminded me of that show, and if it is a success with the the record gate, $7 million gate, and the sold-out tickets, I feel like we might hear from the same kind of Dana White on Saturday night in Las Vegas if all goes their way. So I wanted to revisit that interview. I wanted to go back to July 3rd of 2010, and uh, look back at my post fight interview with Dana White following UFC one sixteen Here it is inside the vault Ariel Hawani post fight at UFC one sixteen with UFC President Dana White and Dana. If UFC one twelve was one of the lowest moments of your career, was
5: this perhaps one of the highlights of your career no, this is, this is literally the best night of my career ever i, I don 't know if i 've ever felt this way about fights or I, it just it was a great night. Every fight I thought was dynamite. These guys came out and gave one hundred and ten percent. And, uh, again, you know, I always feel like a a goof when I say this about grown men, but I'm proud of all these guys tonight, and, and they delivered. And it was a great night for me. The trials
1: and tribulations of Brock Lesnar. It's an amazing story over this past year. It's been almost a year since he sat here, and you know, you know everything that happened after UFC 100. When you saw him submit Shane Carwin, what were the thoughts that went through your mind?
5: I couldn't believe it. You know, and sometimes in the press conference, you know, you guys are asking questions. You know, and I actually want to ask a question and say something, but I hold back and don't do it. You know, what he did tonight, he had the, he had the mount. And to jump off and go for that submission was dangerous. I mean, that was, that was a very risky move. You saw it happen earlier on in the uh, Chris Lytle fight when Matt Brown had that submission, you know, and, and, and had it forever, and it looked like he was going to get it but didn't. It's a dangerous submission against a guy like Shane Carwin. Um, he went for it and he pulled it off. You know, you really got to give him the credit and the respect for doing it.
1: You said in the press conference that you badmouthed uh, Josh Rosenthal before he even did anything, right, and then you gave him props. Right. Um, ultimately, the right call, I thought it was, but I'm curious your take.
5: Yeah, I, you know, I just get so nervous, man, with with the refing and judging. Uh, coming out of that Akiyama-Lieben uh, fight, I wanted to see what the judges' scorecard said. I wanted to see who they had winning that fight, and that was a tough one to score. I mean, that, that fight could have gone either way, um, and possibly even for Akiyama, you know what I mean? Um, I, I think he did a lot of damage, had Lieben hurt many times, but Chris, and to hurt Chris Lieben is no easy task. So um, I, I think and even in losing tonight, Akiyama gained a lot of respect. Back to the question you asked me about the refing. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, I saw him in there. And, and listen, I've, I have my moments with, with all the refs when, when uh, you know, you know how I am with those guys. Um, he, he did a great job tonight. I, I think that, um, you know, the, you know, the fight was close to being stopped. It, you know, there, there could have been a couple of guys that might have jumped in. And, and But like Brock said in the press conference, he kept moving and stayed busy and looked like he wasn't hurt or out of it. And uh, I think Josh did a great job.
1: We'll get to a- Akiyama in a second, but I'm just curious about the first round once again. Um, do you think critics will look to that round and say, you know what, Brock might not be as
5: tough as we thought he was? Uh, no, he's tougher than we thought he was. He's definitely tougher than we thought he was, but, you know, The guy continues to grow as a mixed martial artist, you know. He doesn't have the greatest stand-up you'll ever see. You know, he pulled off his his first submission tonight. Um, You know, he's a wrestler who's evolving and learning all these things. That's why when I talked about the ring rust with him, you know, listen, he's in great shape. They said he had an awesome camp. He's in the best shape he's ever been in. You know he's healed up 100% from, from his illness that he had. Um, now it's, 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 it's a matter of growing. Every fight that he has every training camp that he has, he's going to learn more and more. If you look at how he lost uh, by submission to Frank Mir in that first fight and how he dominated Mir in the second fight when Mir was going for the same submissions, it's pretty incredible.
1: Very uh, special moment. Chris Liebman and Stefan Bonner, two guys who are part of the Ultimate Fighter 1, yeah. win the uh, fight of the night here in uh, 2010. And they've had to d- endure a lot, right? right? I mean, Chris Liebman, we know the story. Stephen Bonner, the same. Yep. Talk about what they did tonight.
5: Yeah, they, they, those two have been through a lot. And, and, again, I don't like to talk, say I'm proud of grown men. But, listen, I'm proud of those two tonight. Um, they, they've been through a lot of stuff. And I was actually starting to wonder myself if Stefan you know, Stefan still had the desire and the fire to fight. And he looked tonight like he looked in, in uh, the finale of Season 1 of The Ultimate Fighter, man. He just kept coming forward. I don't think I've ever seen a guy run more times in a fight than I did tonight in that fight. It was a, a dogfight. It was an absolute war and uh, a fun fight to watch. Final question, you said that Cain Velasquez is next for Brock Lesnar. When do you think we'll see that fight? Uh, I, I need to talk to uh, talk to Brock about it, and um, I'm a big believer in let's get these guys right back in as, as soon as we possibly can. You know, Farming sounds fun, but uh, that's not what really pays the bills.
1: All right, thank you very much for the time, Dana. Congratulations on a huge event. Thanks, brother. All right, so there you have it, and uh, he was true to his word because they came back rather quickly. To uh, to book Cain Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar, that was at UFC One Twenty Three. I'll never forget that day. It was uh, whew, what 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 a scene inside uh, the was it the MGM? I forget. It was definitely in Las Vegas. I remember it was so cool because all the pro wrestler buddies of his, yeah, it was the MGM. All the pro wrestler buddies of his, um, they were they were in the front row. Goldberg and uh, Jim Ross, and who else was there? Goldberg, Jim Ross, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Paul Heyman was there, of course. It was just, it was a different time. But, pretty amazing when you think back. Just shows the, the, the magnitude of UFC 189. The gate that night. The gate for UFC 116 with Brock Lesnar. Big, bad Brock Lesnar. Title unification bout. Was just a bit over 2 million. Just a little over 2 million. 12,000... Plus, as far as the attendance is concerned, but just a little over two million. How about that? Saturday night? It's seven million. Seven million. So when you think back to the the power of Brock and his popularity, two million versus seven million. Maybe times change, inflation, blah, blah, blah. But that is a huge feather in Conor McGregor's cap. And I do believe it is the Conor McGregor show. As I said, they had to keep him on the card because that's 7 million was about the rivalry. I mean, there, there was a huge amount of interest in that fight. There is no doubt about that. But it was because Conor McGregor. I said even before the Dennis Seaver fight, Aldo needed McGregor more than McGregor needed Aldo. McGregor, excuse me, McGregor was going to poke. He was going to poke whoever the champion was. If it was Chad Mendes, if it was Frankie Edgar, doesn't matter. McGregor was going to poke that guy. Aldo needed someone to finally bring out, you know, that fire in him, to give him the foil that he needed. Every great champion needs that. McGregor was that guy. You get what I'm saying? I mean, this really was, this really was a testament to, uh, to how great of a salesman and how big of a star Conor McGregor is. And if you if you if you're not buying it now, then, you know, there's there's really nothing else the guy can do. Seven million dollar gate, you know, everyone's still holding on to their tickets for the most part. It's it's a pretty amazing thing. By the way, before we get to our next interview, and, and I have located Chelsea and I think he fell asleep. Uh he's on baby duty and we will We will give him a pass because I know how it is. Uh, there was a report yesterday that uh, Daniel Cormier is out of his fight against uh, Alexander Gustafson like like that fight was going to happen at uh, UFC, what was it, uh, 191 in September. Well, I reported uh, several weeks ago, at least two weeks ago on UFC Tonight that he was never in play to fight in September, um, he wants to fight in Houston, UFC 192. Uh, he has no ACL, his doctors told him. He's not going to have surgery, um, but he does need to have some uh, biological injections, as he told me, PRP, stem cell injections. And uh, he did this last year to great success, and he feels like it's going to work this time. So he's going to have to rehab for around four to six weeks, and then he'll be able to train. And uh, be ready to fight in four months in October. That's when he wants to fight. Houston is just uh, four hours away from Lafayette, Louisiana, which is where he's from. So he's not—he didn't suffer an injury this week or something like that. I see a lot of people blaming him, uh, a.k.a. Uh, That's not the case. Um, This is this is this is old news, and we know why. It's it's not that big of a deal. So everyone, just chill out for a second. All right, let's move along. It's a little late. We've been waiting. We've been buying time. We've been having a good time. But we can finally confidently say that joining us via the magic of Skype right now is the one and only Chael P. Sonnen. There he is, in the flesh. What is our excuse today, Chael, for your tardiness? 25 minutes late.
6: What's happening, buddy? I have the worst excuse in the world, which is oversleeping. Probably my most least favorite thing I like to hear somebody say, but I was on baby duty. uh, And I, I closed my eyes, man. I got nothing else to say.
1: Wow, and and it's it's eleven. Except
6: I'm so, I do apologize.
1: It's eleven thirty over there. Is this your, your your wake up for for the day, or did you take a little nap?
6: A little bit of both. Okay. I was up all night. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm probably only on about forty five minutes sleep right now for the night, but. Uh, but I took it right in the middle of my calling time. I apologize.
1: And, and by the way, uh, Mazel Tov, congratulations to you and your beautiful wife for having your first child. What's it been like? Last was it, was it Two months old now? Two months? Yeah?
6: One month? I, I appreciate that, man. No, man, it, it's been great. It's uh, one month. One, one month. A month and one day.
1: It's a beautiful thing. Now, uh, there is so much to talk to you about, Chael, and I got to say, it warms my heart to see your face here on the show. It has been a while. I believe the last time you were on this program was our 200th episode, way back when. Uh, and I got to say, as I was talking briefly uh, you know, beforehand, uh, there was a time where I thought maybe you would never be on this show, that we would never talk again, that we would never be friends again. You know, We had a bit of a rough patch, right? We hit a rough patch in our friendship, but I think we've gone through that and, 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 and we. Uh, We've conquered that. And we've reconciled. But I must say, I don't know if you shared the same sentiment. It, it felt like this was the end, the end of a, of, of a great thing that we had going. I was, I was a little bit hurt by some of the things you said about me, but I've, I've gotten over it. And I, uh, and, I, and I still want to have you in my life. So I, I feel like I need to address that and throw that out there at the top of this interview.
6: Well, it took you a while, you know. You, were, you weren't exactly the <laughs> easiest guy to make up with. And I was even sending you text messages sure. extending an olive branch. That said, war between <laughs> us in capital letters that we were in the middle of a war, and and you finally got a hold of me and you said, you know, you think I, this was really cool. You know, you think I wronged you, and I think you wronged me. We both might be right. How about we call it a draw? So now I, now I send you random text in capital letters and just say draw.
1: <laughs> that is true. Uh, truth be told, I was just getting tired of your, your your text, you know, begging on two knees, just saying, please, I need you back in my life. I miss you. I miss you. I mean, okay. I was like, man, I didn't know I was such an important part of your life. I might as well give this guy a bone here and, you know, and, 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 and finish this up as you're about to become a, a dad. So that's really, I mean, you were very persistent, but I was ready to move on with it, my life, just for the record.
6: So I wore you down. That's what you're saying. You did. I wore you down, and finally, and finally conquered. All right. Well, good for me. There we go. You know, I'll it, take it.
1: It's amazing. It's it, a
6: draw either way.
1: It is a draw either way, and I'm happy to move on from all that. So you haven't fought in quite some time, and uh, you know, of course, over the last year, it's been such an interesting thing to watch your evolution. I really think that's the best word to describe it, because sometimes when a guy, you know, leaves a sport, retires, whatever. He kind of goes away for a little bit. You're as present, as visible as ever. From your podcast to ESPN, now you're calling people up, posting things. You've got a, a, a t-shirt line, Bad Guy Inc. I mean, you really haven't taken any kind of a break. Was this all part of the plan? Did you expect to be as, you know, present in the MMA space as you were while you were fighting?
6: I, you know, I never felt the difference. I can remember being really busy in MMA, having... Shows with you and 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 doing other things and having matches and having you ask me go, man, what's it, what's it feel like? You're the face of the company. Everything's going great. And I used to tell you all the time and go, Eric, I don't know any difference. Uh, I, my day is the same every day. I my dog wakes me up at five thirty in the morning and, and I take him for a walk and make coffee and I go to practice and I come home tired every day and get a little sleep and do it all over again. I remember telling you that and it was a very sincere answer. And I can remember also. Doing interviews with you go, oh, what's it like? Uh, you, you must be really down or lol. And I'm looking around going, <laughs> I, mean, I got to tell you, I've never been high and up and, and feeling great about things. I've never really been down about it. It's just uh, my, my day is very routine. It's the same thing for me every day. But you didn't have a
1: moment where you said, all right, I need to reinvent myself. I need to think outside the box. I mean, you have thought outside the box podcast, the, the, the T-shirt stuff. The phone calls. I mean, ESPN is, is is a tremendous platform, but you had to work a bit, you know, to, to remain in the space. You didn't have that moment where you sat down with your people and said, okay, this is our plan of attack. This is how we're going to do this to remain as well. I mean, you're in the Embedded. You are a major part of the last episode of Embedded for UFC 189. That's a pretty special thing. That takes talent.
6: Uh, Embedded's a cool show. I saw that. <laughs> I, I, I really do like Embedded a lot. Uh... You know, not not a whole lot, Errol. I mean, I mean, listen. If if I if you're if you're looking for, for a quote of some sort, I will tell you this. If you can't turn chaos into cash, you don't know very much about marketing. Hmm. And I, I, I will tell you that I will create cash out of chaos every single time. And that statement's gonna a lot of uh, piss a lot of people off, which is only gonna make me happy. <laughs>
1: And it will also make Eric Bischoff happy, right? Wasn't that the title of his book? Controversy Equals Cash? Something to that degree.
6: Something to that effect. Yes, yes. I didn't read the book, but I think you're right about that.
1: All right, so let's talk about this embedded situation. Why did you tweet out Chad Mendez's phone number?
6: Well, Chad, Chad Mendez messed with the bull and then he got the horn. <laughs> I, I talked to Ch- Here's the thing with Chad. I was trying to get a hold of Chad for a week or so. I wish I had my phone and I would would hold it up so I could show you. And Chad has an iPhone. I have an iPhone. So Steve Jobs, before he died, God bless him. But one of the features that he made on that phone is when you text somebody, you can see when they receive the text. And then you can see when they read the text. So as days were going by of Chad not getting back to me, I was then texting him and letting him know, hey, I can see that you've got my text messages. <laughs> Must be awfully busy not getting back to old Chael. So finally, I gave him a, a five-second countdown. Five, four, I was texting this to him, three, <laughs> two. And then, and then he got put on Twitter. There you go. Wow.
1: So it wasn't the sleepwalking thing that he put out there on embedded. This was this was something.
6: No, it wasn't. But I I did appreciate that because I thought uh, I thought it was a a, a real dick move uh, after it was already done. It was a little un, a little tough to put the toothpaste back in the tube on that one. So so Chad let me off the hook, but. Uh, he did get a new phone number, of which he did not share with me.
1: Oh, wow. So he has not reached out to you. You guys haven't talked about this. You're you're still on bad terms.
6: Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. We've we definitely talked about it. Yeah. I, I was making a joke. But he he, did, he was in the process of getting a, a new phone number when I talked to him. And, and, and he was cool about it. And I saw the piece on Embedded where he, he compared it to Step Brothers, which was was pretty cool and what's
1: funny about this is
6: he, he, he could have been a lot more upset about
1: sure yeah i i commend him you have the same management you know so i i would imagine he'd be like yo man what's going on here what why are you blowing up my spot i'm getting ready for this fight that didn't create a problem with your management team
6: no nah. come on you gotta have a sense of humor sure. now i'm the one that's wrong in the situation really really easy for me to say but come on Come on, if the roles were reversed, it's funny. At the end of the day, that's a very funny thing that happened.
1: So if I tweet your phone number this evening, you'll you'll have a good
6: laugh. I would admit that it was funny. It would would be very annoying. Here's what I would say, because Chad was going to tweet my number, and I just said, listen, in the name of sportsmanship, you got to get your own joke. Now, I do expect that I get paid back, but you got to get a little bit more creative. You can't just use my move back on me
1: fair enough. Now, speaking of that management team, uh, Mike Roberts told me recently that he believes in his heart of hearts, you're not done fighting. You may have retired. You may have walked away. You're a year into your suspension, but it's not over for you. Was he telling me the truth?
6: For MMA, yeah, he, he, he's wrong about that. But he, sorry about that, Mike. I, I put an earpiece in so you could hear me better. I, I got a, like an echo chamber around me at times. Uh, but he's told me that before too he's told me, I just, I just, I don't think you're done. I think, I think that there's more. So, uh, that, that is his opinion. He wasn't just talking out of school on that one, but, uh, I am not going to fight again if that's what you're asking.
1: So, so he's not telling us that I mean, his gut is not accurate. You're, you're done fighting. You will not fight again.
6: I am done fighting.
1: Right, you, you ever get the itch? You were talking to BJ Penn about it last week. Sometimes it's hard for him to watch because he wants to, you know, be in there. What about you?
6: Who told you that? BJ
1: Penn, little name drop.
6: Oh, did he? Yeah, and I, I wish BJ would fight again. Uh, no, I yeah, I, yes. To to your question, do you ever get the itch? Yeah, I think so. But uh, but for many things, you know, when I left amateur wrestling, I watch it all the time, and and always get the urge to to be part of it. But uh, you know, I have a lot of fantasies and and goals like that. Uh, but no, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to return to the octagon.
1: I've been talking about you a lot lately, and perhaps that's my uh, subconscious way of, of missing you and trying to draw you back to this show. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you're on the show because I know you never like to do this show, so it's a great honor for me to have you here. Um, I've been talking about you a lot because I keep comparing the Conor McGregor-Jose Aldo situation to you and Anderson Silva, if only because I feel like you did more for Anderson than Anderson did for you. You propped up Anderson, you gave him that foil that he had been lacking for so long, and that's what Conor did to Jose Aldo. Do you see the same similarities there between the
6: two? Yeah, that that, that that's absolutely how that how that happened. I, uh, I don't know in the final analysis, if I did more for Anderson, Uh, you know, he was very helpful for me too. We both needed that dance partner, but Anderson was a very poorly drawing uh, champion and he was a fantastic fighter and, and everybody respected him, but he didn't have that base tuning in to watch him. You know, Roy Jones Jr. had that same problem as a boxer. He never had that opponent. Uh, He was number one ranked and all of that stuff and all that Crap, worthless, pound for pound, and uh, he had it all, but he still wasn't business-wise having the greatest luck for a, a guy with that success. Jose Aldo is in that same spot. The guy is an amazing talent, uh, and he's a poor drawing champion, and, and it's a little bit confusing, but it's not like making a batch of cookies, man. You, you just If you throw all the right ingredients in, you're not guaranteed that the recipe is going to work. There's an it factor in this business and where jose aldo misses it i'm not totally sure because he is a fantastic talent he's a handsome dude he's been around a long time he's got all those things you throw in the pot but the cookies just just don't turn out right and this would have changed conor mcgregor was that that missing it that that batch needed
1: you threw out the term long ago make that walk it's a part of the mma lexicon now aldo's not making the walk on saturday are you surprised
6: Yes, I'm very surprised. Uh, Business-wise, you know, uh, jo- Jose Aldo can't do an interview where he doesn't bitch about money. It, it, it's been coming up for years now. He's complaining about money. And this was the big money fight. This was the biggest money fight of his career. And it will never be back. He, he can get this fight again down the road, but uh, it, it won't have the buildup and it, it won't have the same payday. So from that regard, I was surprised. Now, I want to make sure I'm responsible about this because, Eric, you never, ever kick a man when he's down, and if Jose Aldo broke his rib, that is so incredibly painful. You add on to it everything that I just said, that he'll never have this kind of fight again, he'll never have this kind of payday again. In those regards, he's really down, and I don't want to pile on him. I also can't help but be very surprised. Uh that he didn't continue on with the contest. And we're getting mixed reviews. Some doctors have looked at that uh that x-ray that he put out and said that's not a broken rib, that's a crystallization of cartilage, and it starts to get a little bit complex in that regard. I'm looking at it going, I don't know a whole lot about medicine, but that's a broken rib from from my living room where I'm looking. So, you know, if, if you really suffered a broken rib, man, you just can't fight with that. Uh, at times it's it's too tough. And let me tell you the underlying story here, Errol. And Jose's never brought this up. But he should. I've suffered rib injuries, but I've never had a broken one. I've had dislocated and popped. And even that, which is a a big step down from broken, it hurts so bad. But you can't really move. You can't even fully breathe and take a deep breath of air. So the the point is, how is he going to make weight? How, if he can't move around, you know, Jose Aldo's a big guy. He's been talking about moving up to 155 pounds for a couple of years now. That's how big he is. He's not getting any smaller as time goes on. So when you're that big and you can't make weight, you can't move to get those pounds off, there's no way that you can uh, make the walk the following night uh, in a championship contest. So I think that that's probably really the underlying story here. And I I haven't heard Jose bring it up, but uh, as a fellow athlete, I think that's what really happened.
1: And then how about putting in Mendez when, of course, the big money fight is Aldo, risking that, you know, with a wrestler against McGregor, a lot of people think wrestling is, is kryptonite and it's going to be a big mistake. Do you think that this is too big of a risk on the UFC's part?
6: Uh, no, there's no, there's no risk, man. The, the show's got to go on. You, don't, you, you, you never preserve something for tomorrow in a business like this. Uh, I, I mean, I, I could go back just recently this year. We were never supposed to see Daniel Cormier versus John Jones. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be Gustafson's fight and Cormier was supposed to sit back and that ended up doing record pay-per-view numbers. You, 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 you win the ones you can win when you can win them. And that's it. And you don't plan for these future fights. And that's all speculation and done by the media. But on the second floor at the UFC, where the decisions are made, uh, man, you take what you can get when you can get it.
1: Hmm. All right, that's an interesting insight. You had uh, a chance to hang with Conor McGregor in Bristol recently for some uh, some shoots for ESPN. Some have aired, some will air. Was that your first time meeting him in person?
6: No, he had come out to Fox a couple of times. He was on UFC tonight at least once. Uh, that's right. And yeah, and I, and I met him. I met him some other times. So I hung out with him at a fight one time. I did a Q and A in England. Uh, and it got it got ransacked. What do you call that? It got crashed. The Q and A. I was on stage in England, and a drunk Michael Bisping and a drunk Er Connor McGregor <laughs> get handed microphones, and they storm the stage. Uh, and it, it turned into a very fun and and kind of a a classic evening. Uh, actually, if you ever go back and find the video. So no, I knew Connor before.
1: So uh, my colleague, Chuck Mendenhall, uh wrote uh, a very nice feature about your day in Bristol. It was posted yesterday on MMAFunny.com. not sure if you saw it, but he noted that there was, for lack of a better word, this sort of strange tension between you two, like you didn't really hang out or talk to each other. Is he onto something here? Is, is there that between you two?
6: I sure didn't feel it. I had a lot of fun with Connor and with Chuck. I thought Chuck was great, too. But Chuck was an observer. You know, sometimes the observer sees better. Yeah. The coach can see better sometimes than the athletes that are in it. But uh, if there was, uh, I, I sure didn't know it. Now, I did have a conscious effort to kind of stay back and leave him alone. I have been in his shoes before, and it's very exhausting. And it wasn't any different out there, man. He was getting pulled in all sorts of directions. He had two hours of sleep. He was an hour late uh to the set and i'm glad he was if he wasn't then he would have had an hour of sleep they started filming at 6 30 in the morning east coast time he had flown in from the west coast which jams him up three hours right there he's got his diet going on when we get to the set and we film these different segments he, he got through what espn calls the car wash uh and, and that's where they just run you from show to show to show so he's very busy just with the espn obligation and then media had been given passes, such as Chuck, to come in. So on any kind of commercial break or downtime, then he's getting pulled in different directions for MMA media. So uh, in the process, his phone's going off. He's tired. He was telling me his schedule. He had to leave from Bristol to go to New York for the Reebok deal, to go to L.A. for the Conan O'Brien deal, to finally go back home. And he's now refused all media up until the fight. So he thinks. I can assure you he's going to be doing more media before the fight. But he put his foot down and said, I'm done. So I think the way that compromise will work is whatever he does, he'll be doing from Vegas. Uh, So, you know, I did try to consciously make sure I gave him whatever space that I could. uh, But that was still limited, man. If I wasn't talking to him, somebody else was.
1: So when people say he's the second coming of Chael, that he uses your material, all this stuff, is that a compliment to you? Do you feel like he's not on your level as far as selling fights, being a showman, all that stuff? How do you feel about it?
7: No,
6: he he most definitely uh, is on everybody's level, you know. I mean, he's forging his own path. He's going in a slightly different direction. But uh, no, there's no insult there. And... Uh, I'm personally entertained by it. You know, I, I thought he was great. I thought another guy that was greatly underrated for his time was Rampage Jackson, though. I thought that Rampage's stuff uh, all the way back from his pride days was was very entertaining. And, uh, you know, so I like that stuff. I get into it, and I, and I appreciate it. And, you know, I, I know he's got to work hard to do it. And at some point, he's going to need to settle down and refocus and, and uh, go out and have his fight
1: what do you mean you mean in the future or do you think that it's getting to be a little too much right now
6: oh no it's 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 crossed the line of of being too much that's just a reality to the situation yeah you know athletes go out we're kind of programmed to say the things we think we're supposed to say it's it's too much on connor right now and media will ask him that is it too much and uh you know, so he, you don't want to put some of those things in, in, into your world. You want to deny him and keep him out so he can take care of business. But yeah, of course it's too much. When when, it, when a guy's on a opposite side of the country and he's got three more stops before he can get home, he's 22 pounds overweight, he's nine days before a fight, and he's running on two hours' sleep because of all of it, it's too much.
1: Was there ever a point? I know you mentioned in the article, oh, yeah, you know, the spending is a little, uh, you know, it's it's it's, 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 you know, it's troublesome if you will because you see a lot of athletes run out of money you weren't that same kind of guy he's kind of like 1980s rick flair if you know what i'm saying you know like the fancy clothes and, and all that stuff you you didn't have that same sort of style but did you ever have a point where you had to kind of correct yourself oh no I, i'm spending too much i'm living this stuff because you you had worked so long to make the big bucks
6: yeah no i never had to go through that but i think to your point it's because it didn't happen for me till a little bit later you know when you're a young man you do you do a little bit of that. You, you, I see guys do it all the time. You know, you spend it like you're always gonna make it. Ric Flair did it to use your example, but you know, it's it's pretty common, and particularly uh, with younger men. So I think that Conor's in that phase a little bit, and he's having some fun. And he talks about it, man. He says that he blows it all, but he says that's how he stays hungry and keeps himself motivated to go out and win more. So. Whether he's having a good time or it's just good old-fashioned irresponsibility, I'm not really sure. Time will tell, but uh, I didn't personally have to go through it, no.
1: Are you in favor or against the Reebok deal from a fighter's perspective?
6: Uh, Against the what?
1: The Reebok deal coming into play this Saturday. For the first time.
6: Yeah, you know, I think it's pretty cool. I, era, I left right before this announcement came out. I've been out a year. I, I was given a two-year suspension in July. So I, I'm literally halfway through it. And I think they announced Reebok in either July or August of last year. So I just missed the boat, man. I don't have a lot of details, but I can tell you it makes sense. The sport was certainly headed that way. It cleans the sport up a lot. Uh, you know, I think those are some of your motivations Uh, as leadership to do it, to go out and really establish something and get some of those other brands out of there just from a visual perspective. Because don't forget, we are a show. People forget that constantly. They talk about the sport of MMA. MMA is a sport this much. And all the the other 99% is this is a show, this is visual, uh, so... This cleans it up, and this really helps things as far as the business side of it and cleaning up and making sure guys' sponsors are are organized and their checks come in on time every time, uh, that's a really good thing too. so i I would imagine everybody's uh, are you know broad strokes here, but they're pretty happy with it.
1: So some might say the origin of our rift was PED use in MMA and uh, we battled over this for quite some time. How do you feel about the UFC linking up with USADA?
6: The origin of you and I? Yeah,
1: you
6: know. uh, and Yeah, you know, hook it up with this. Let's just see how it works out. I, I think if, if you're looking for an agency to come in and, and test guys, you're talking about the gold standard there with USADA. So in that regard... Uh, you know, it, it's going to help a lot. I, I think with anything, you're you're going to run into some some roadblocks. You're going to hit some speed bumps that you didn't see coming. Uh, and so, you know, let's have this discussion down the road and and see how some things go. But uh, it was a big move. It was a big and bold move. They're they're testing the professionals the way they test the amateurs. And uh, you know, I don't I don't think you can find a better partner out there uh, in the world of drug testing than Asada. Uh, a
1: lot of fighters upset about uh, IVs being banned come October. Is that something that you use? Yeah, a lot? I, mean, I feel like this is uh, you know uh, something that a lot of wrestlers use, right?
6: Yeah, I, you know and we were sanctioned by USADA as well. USA Wrestling, yeah. the governing body for wrestling, we were sanctioned by USADA, and uh, you know you'd come out of the way in and there'd be a whole you know it'd be like an army tent, if you will, set up where where guys would then go and get their their IVs right there on location. So. I don't know when that rule came into play. And uh, I would imagine that, again, that's a a broad stroke because USADA tests uh, are are for the supplements you put into your body, uh, not how you put it in. And and, and IV is is a a level of administration. Uh, I would have to imagine uh, what runs through those tubes and into your vein is what matters, not the actual IV itself. If somebody needed to rehydrate, uh, you know, those are medical orders. I don't think that USADA would, would stand in the way of, uh, of a doctor's opinion if a guy was dehydrated. But I did I did read the headline of the article that said flat-out IV. Uh, I got to imagine there's some fine print there.
1: Yeah, it sounds like—I mean, in the WADA code, it, it is banned for uh, rehydration purposes. Uh, they said they're going to give the fighters until October to— um... Uh, you know, figure it out and see if they have to change weight classes. So I think that's going to be something interesting. As Dan Lambert put it earlier in the show, uh, he suspects that things might evolve over time. So we'll see about that. Now, let me ask you, are you going to uh, Las Vegas this weekend?
6: Wait, are you're saying that there is a rule, there is a water rule that they are subject to, that they, they've suspended the rule until October? They just came in and said, hey, this is a rule, but we're going to ignore it for a few months?
1: Essentially, yes.
6: With what authority? With what authority do you suspend a rule?
1: Well, uh, this is coming from uh, Travis Tygart, who told ESPN.com's Brett Okamoto that uh, when they, they traveled, Jeff Nowitzki, the, uh, the, the individual that the UFC hired, from their perspective to lead this charge, traveled to a bunch of gyms and informed the fighters that the IVs would be banned come July 11th, right? When this all comes into play, there was a a big uh you know uh, a big concern brought up by the fighters and now they've said we'll give you to october to figure it out. So yeah, to a degree you are right. They are suspending it. Do you have a problem with that? Cuz you're now you're picking and choosing, uh, right?
6: I don't know if I have a problem. Well, they're definitely picking and choosing. I just didn't know you could do that. I didn't know with what authority you could do that with. I I relate it to laws. I know I know for laws whether it's federal or here in Oregon where I'm, where I'm sitting. Uh no one one person cannot come in and suspend the law they they would have to they'd have to enforce it and say this is the law whether you like it or not so uh i like it i, I think i think it's a civil way to handle things sometimes you do need an education or a gap period it, it, it makes a little bit of sense but I, I didn't know with what authority you could do that with so all right you you just told me something i didn't know that will you be in vegas this weekend No, we will be covering the fight from Bristol, from the studio. And uh, we made a big push to come out there. And by we, I mean uh, us analysts and the crew. We all wanted to do an on-site in Vegas. And ESPN will do that if it's a big enough fight. Uh, So we thought, well, for sure, we're going to be coming to Vegas. And I don't know if if with the change in in Aldo versus Mendez, or if there was some other logistical error, but all I know is – uh, we will be covering it from the studio, live from the the Sports Center studio in Bristol.
1: Do you ever get nostalgic? I mean, when I think of this weekend, I think of you versus Anderson too. I mean, that was a tremendous moment for not only you and Anderson, but for the UFC, the sport. That weigh-in was just unbelievable. Do you ever get nostalgic and say, "Man, you know, oh God, I miss those times. You know, I wish I could go back to that." Do you, do you ever think like that?
6: Yeah, pretty much uh, Pretty much the only joy I had in the sport is from memories like that. At the time, at the time that you're in the sport, it's very hard to enjoy it because, you know, the life that you're leading is a lot like the one that Connor is is leading right now that we just talked about, where it's no sleep, it's no rest, it's no fun, it's go, 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 people pulling in every direction with the stress uh, of the big match coming up with the weigh-in, with, with, with taking care of the competition itself. Uh, so it was never very fun. There was never a, a point where you could, you know, sit back and smell the roses, if you will. It was always go, 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 go. And, uh, so yeah, I think I do look back a little bit and, and, and the memories are fonder for me than, than the experience itself was.
1: Yeah. When I think back to this weekend as well, that's when we had our, uh, our famous black and white sit down when you came out after your, you know, your issue after UFC 117 and, the the whole thing with the nogueras and the bus and all that i mean we had some nice memories on this weekend in particular that's why i think it's nice that we've uh, we've uh, reconnected this early draw. july
6: we had it we <laughs> called it a draw
1: what about what about the decision that went into making me your first official guest on your highly successful podcast. I mean, you knew right off the bat you needed to come out. You could have gone to anyone, Stone Cold, Vince McMahon. You could have had any guest possible, Dana White. But you went to old Helwani. Why, why is that? Why did you think that, that would be the best, uh, the best move?
6: Well, and I was right. You know, hindsight's always twenty-twenty. I was right. Errol Helwani was the best move. You know, uh, one, I've always enjoyed working with you. Two, I, I consider you a very good friend. Uh, but three, uh, you know, you're a master in this space. You're a guy that that, that is kind of like a, a military soldier. You can give orders, but you're also very good at taking orders. You can go both ways. So I thought, well, you know, who better to have on, a, on my first attempt uh, in some kind of a, a journalistic space, at least, than the journalistic master himself. So oh, wow. I gave you a call.
1: So now I'm a journalist.
6: Well, it's, again, I called it space, uh, <laughs> and that wasn't so much to slide you as much as I don't want to be brought in okay. to that fake world of, <laughs> of, of MMA journalists out there. Sure, sure. I will stick with being an entertainer.
1: Do you enjoy interviewing people? Do you enjoy being a host?
6: I don't like to interview people. I love to have conversations with people. I love to have somebody on that I find interesting uh, and then just go out there and visit. Uh, but no, I don't like... Uh, and, and it's turned into that before, man. I've had some guests that, you know, I, I thought after the fact, why didn't you just say no? When I asked you to come on, if you didn't want to come on, why didn't you just say no? But I'm not the FBI, and you are not under subpoena to be here. Don't make me pull these things out of you while shining this bright light in your face. Just text me back and tell me no. But make sure you text me back. Sure. Chad Mendez.
1: Favorite interview thus far since you launched the show?
6: Oh, or favorite uh, conversation, I should say. Yeah, Jim Cornette. Mm. Jim Cornette uh, was my my, my favorite guy to just sit down and listen to. More than to talk to was to sit and listen to. He had a ton of stories. Now, I'll tell you one that uh, I I was very excited for and almost too much was uh, do you watch The Office? I'm a huge fan Of of the old NBC hit The Office. Yes. Okay, I had, I had Rain Wilson on, who played Dwight Schrute. Oh, wow, that's a big one. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a great one, and it wasn't a terrific interview. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know him, I don't know what his interests are, uh, so, so talking about stuff was, was a little bit more difficult, but for me, it was a thrill, because I watched that show so much, and I, I'm so into his character and his career, so that, that was kind of a kick to have him on
1: dream conversation who's the guy the the one guy that you've said from the beginning i need to get him you haven't gotten him yet or or a woman i should say
6: uh hmm, a dream conversation i i don't know you know i've had a few of those i've had i've had uh what six months of shows at, at four uh, four shows a month so i've been able to talk to quite a few people that i've wanted to but uh i, ha- I have one tomorrow that i'm recording that'll that'll drop tomorrow night but i'm gonna have nick foley on oh and, uh, yeah, Cactus Jack, Mankind, you know, how, how incredible is that going to be? So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, talking to those wrestlers, particularly the ones that are retired, is, is great. When they let the curtain down, they, they discuss the, the psychology and things that they think could be implemented in MMA that are and were implemented in the world of wrestling and entertainment. So I always learn something through that. You know, not only do I get to hear some great stories, but I get to learn something myself. So uh, I'm looking forward to Mick.
1: Who wins Chael, excuse me, Connor or Chad?
6: Who wins Connor or Chad? Boy, you know, I, I got to think Chad Mendes wins that fight. And and if it's competitive, even, I, I would, uh, you know, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. But I just watched some Conor McGregor last night. I rewatched this his fight with Dennis Seaver. I had watched that live initially. I re-saw it. And then I went and I watched his fight with Poirier, which I had missed the first time. I'd never seen it before. And... As good as I remember Connor looking in the Dennis Seaver fight, he was better, almost twice as good as what I remembered. Uh, you know, I remember him going out there and dominating that fight. I thought he got taken down a couple times. I was wrong about that. Uh, you know, Seaver did kind of tackle him and off balance him, but it was never a takedown. Connor's hips came right back out. He came on top. His punches were good. Uh, you know, his kicks were good. He changed his stance. He was a little bit awkward. He's, he's better than I thought he was. And that, that happens in MMA. You know, I remember John Jones. We had to see him fight repeatedly to buy into it and go, oh, okay, he, he's just this good. John Jones was beating guys so handily that we all chalked it up to, oh, he must have had a good night or, oh, that other guy had a bad performance. It took us a while to realize what we were seeing. That could be the case with Conor McGregor, but all the same, I'm not there yet. I look at him and I go, you know, that, that, there's a talented guy. I don't look at him and say, man, that's a, that's a great skill set. So, uh, it, you know, just because I have an expert view on things and I've been in the sport for so long – unlike anybody else, man, it takes a little bit of time, so, if he can pass the chad mendes test i I don't think there's too many more questions out there that that he's a great fighter right now he's a he's a very good fighter but but that's it. that's as high as you can go with it for right now.
1: final question, and I appreciate the time very much. It's a two parter because this almost kind of feels like my retirement interview with you because I never had a chance to talk to you after you uh you retired. And, uh, and, and, and I'll be honest, I, I, I miss talking to you, and it's great to have you back, and I hope we can do it again in the near future. I want to know from your perspective, you may have talked about this, you probably did, but uh, I haven't heard it. What is Chael Sonnen's legacy? When, when it's all said and done as far as MMA fighting is concerned, in your opinion, what do you want your legacy to be? And what, what was the, the high point? maybe not the thing that we all kind of saw witnessed i mean there's the obvious with anderson and all that but in your moment in your mind when you think back what was the moment that was like man i am living the dream here this is a- i can't even believe this is all happening to me
6: wow oh, wow the second one i'll probably need a little time to reflect on so i'll give you an answer today with the right to reserve uh, a change cuz i had a lot of great memories man i had a lot of great experiences um I don't think I've ever had a better experience in the sport than coaching the ultimate fighter. Uh, I got to do it twice, but I got to, you know, really build relationships there uh, that will last forever. I stay in contact with every one of those guys, uh contact with the coaches, contact with the opposing a- athletes and coaches. So those were... uh those those were definitely the highest points that I ever had, was, was, was coaching the ultimate fighter and being given that opportunity. And as far as legacy goes, you know, there was a time in my career I would get asked that arrow, and I'd get red hot. I mean, when there was a time in my career everything pissed me off. Any question you asked me was going to set me off one way or another, but that one specifically – because I never got it. I heard I, I had to deal with these other guys sitting around talking about their goddamn legacy like anyone should give a damn about them. You know, I, I graduated high school. I loved high school. I donate to my old high school. I coach at my – I do anything for my old high school. But the last thing I want to do is wear a goddamn letterman's jacket around when I'm out of high school. And there's guys that do it. Look, when you move on from something, move on. And sports are for kids. If you're able to stick around a sport and do it as an adult, if you're given that opportunity and you made that kind of commitment to it, that's all house money. But these guys that cling to it and want to be remembered for something they did in a, in a kid's world, in a kid's sport, is, that's a weird thing to me. And I never wanted to get trapped in that. I thought, you know, I, I'm going to be a, a fighter for a very limited time, and then I'm going to have to move on and do real things in life. Uh, you know, be a father, be a husband, be a member of the community and do these things that really matter, not some sport that I go do in a steel cage three times a year. And I, and I was very defiant that I, I do not want to hear about somebody else's alleged legacy because I compare it to the guy out of high school riding around in his Trans Am with his old Letterman's jacket on. I don't want to be one of those guys. Uh, When time passes, and and you come through it, though, you do have things that you were proud of. And, you know, I was very proud of the fact I would fight anybody at any time, period. And I would never come in with an excuse. And if I had a broken rib, you damn sure would never know about it. If one of my teammates came out and did an interview about how he broke my rib, he's no longer my teammate. It's as simple as that. I would never discredit the sport or my opponent. By reading my injury list uh, before after the fight, I've always thought it was a very underhanded thing to do, Uh, and it's a very cowardly thing to do, to to come out and and say, you know, I'm hurt, particularly if you win a fight. I've seen guys winning fights and then come out and say, yeah, and I did it with a broken arm, or yeah, and I did it with with this knee, and you're... Yeah, I mean, now you're you're turning on your opponent. Your message there is very clear. You're saying I I beat you, and had I been healthy, I would have beaten you even easier. So, uh, you know, as far as the legacy goes, the the one thing that I was proud of uh, was that I would always compete. I I was looking to compete. I was never a bully. I would take on anybody at any time. And if if that was the number one guy in the world or that was the number 100 guy in the world, it didn't make any bit of difference. If, If somebody wanted to fight, I would show up and fight.
1: Amazing. There will never be another Chelsea. Sonnen. An amazing answer, and uh, it exceeded my expectations. By the way, anyone ever reach out to you to be a promoter of sorts, to run their organization? I'm surprised that hasn't happened.
6: Uh, You know, I've actually been promoting fights since 2001. I've held over 100 events. I'll tell you this, Ariel. There's two organizations on the face of the planet. And feel free to correct this statistic. You or any of your fans. But there's two organizations on the face of the planet. They can date themselves back to 2001, Zufa's and mine. Not one other organization, amateur or professional, uh, has withstood the, the, the test of time. And and I've made that statement before, and Terry Treblecott came forward and said, well, King of the Cage was actually around uh, in, in 2001 as well. But that was a totally different business model. He was loaning his names to casinos. That's totally different than going out and bringing in fans at a live gate. So, uh, n- nobody understands this business like i do you you 've got the boys at at the UFC in the leadership role, and then it 's me and uh I know this sport inside and out well i i 've promoted it i've participated in it i 've coached it i 'm proud of those things and uh you know our organization out here will continue to thrive and we've uh, we 've created fifteen fighters that have gone on to fight at the u f c one judge one referee, and one timekeeper and they all started our our little promotion out here in Oregon, and uh, and we're very, we're very proud of
1: that. Chael, we have taken up too much of your time. I appreciate it greatly. It means a lot to me that you've come on the show. Uh, I thought for a second that you uh, you pulled the old switcheroo on me and you wouldn't show up after you said, but I, I knew, I knew, no matter what, you were always a man of your word. You, you always showed up when you said you would, so I appreciate it greatly, and uh, I wish you the best with your... Your 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 new venture as a father, both to you and your your lovely wife, and uh, I hope we run into each other soon. It has been a while. Great to see you, though. Thank you so cool. much for Era, the time.
8: Let me let me leave
6: you with one final word.
1: Yes. Draw. <laughs> Kaboom. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. That's not the word. Okay. Here's the
6: word. Kaboom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there he is, Chill sunning. Uh Great stuff as always. You gotta love it. All right. Um, We went a little overtime there. I apologize. I look at my uh, email and I see a UFC statement on Gilbert Melendez. So uh, let us read that for all of you. Following his bout at UFC 188 in Mexico City on June 13th, UFC lightweight Gilbert Melendez tested positive for exogenous. Origin of testosterone metabolites. The UFC has a strict, consistent policy against the use of any illegal and or performance-enhancing drugs, stimulants, or masking agents by our athletes. As a result of the positive test, Melendez has accepted a one-year suspension effective from the date of the bout for violating the UFC fighter conduct policy and promotional agreement with ZUFA. Regrettably, I tested positive in my post-fight urine sample for UFC 188. I did not inject anything, but I am responsible. And accept the consequences for the results. I will make sure I am better educated about the products I use and their implications. Going forward, I will ensure no products I use will contain banned substances. I'm sincerely apologetic to everyone who supports me, including my fans, sponsors, and the UFC. I value your trust and respect and will do everything in my power to keep it. Melendez will no longer compete as scheduled. On July 15th, UFC officials are currently seeking a new opponent for Ally Quinta, who was scheduled to face Melendez. Wow. Uh, shocking news there, breaking news there, um, and that is courtesy of the UFC, just sent 12 minutes ago. Pretty incredible stuff. For now, let us move along. Let's go back to our Skype machine, and uh, let's welcome in our next guest, straight from Ireland. There he is, the one and only Patty Houlihan. Patty, how are you?
8: How do you go, my man? You right.
1: I am doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been a while. I haven't seen you, I believe, since Boston, and it appears as though... Actually, no. I saw you in Montreal when you were there with uh, Ashing Daly. Oh
8: yeah, I thinking. I'm thinking it wasn't
1: that long, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on with the beard? I like it a little longer than usual.
8: Uh, just being, just being stuck in the gym. You know what I mean? I haven't been thinking about any uh, going to the barber's lately, so uh, we might get it done for a day to, uh, for our fight time. But who knows? <laughs> we're we're gonna keep it? Uh, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Well, things have
1: changed for you, my friend. I mean, we we've come a long way since Boston. All of a sudden on Friday, I believe it was, I saw you tweeting about Lion's Tea. And, of course, we did that interview. I know your your great affinity for tea. Have you finally secured the tea sponsorship that you have been searching for for so long?
8: Um, we're close now. So the other day, it was kind of like um, I was letting people know that this is the tea that I've been drinking all my life. And my forefathers have been drinking since 1902. It's been here in Ireland, Ireland. And uh, so we haven't we haven't done a full a full deal where they say we're gonna make you a rich man and look after you for the rest of your life. But uh, we're working on that. One.
1: <laughs> are they at least hooking you up one. with free tea?
8: Um. um yeah. Well, I, I get free tea. My man gives me free tea all the time. And <laughs> anyway, so I always had a tea deal.
1: <laughs> That's right. You're not looking for that necessarily, but you are. You are slowly. Linking up with them because they're tweeting about you. I mean, you're doing like little spots for them. This is this is amazing stuff. And and you said to me on Twitter, your mom claims that this is your greatest accomplishment, right? Your greatest achievement. Well, she's not
8: a fight fan and um, she's a tea fan and um, how would you know? Like a soap drama fan. She's into, like I think we have shows over here uh, from England called Coronation Street and these and these things. So <laughs> Any standards as far as my man's knowledge really goes on the outside world.
1: So, what do we have to do to make this uh, a reality? To to finalize the deal, what what do you need from us?
8: Um. Well, I think I think the guys are kind of the the, the ball is in is in their court now. They they know that I have I have to, I have the tea on the pull on the tea. You know. <laughs> so um, who knows? Uh, we we might try to take over that tea company if, if they don't they don't have it. But um. I met all the guys from Lions and things like that, and I think they're pretty cool. So uh, I think the future is going to be safe there for a little while. And they're a major brand here in Ireland. So uh, that's success in itself.
1: That is amazing. I I only wish that we could have seen you at least once fight with a Lions T logo on your shorts. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen now with the Reebok deal. But uh, still being linked with them is an amazing thing. How did they even find out about your your love of tea? How did it happen? Did they tell you?
8: Uh, the, the small islands that were on here, you know, so, um, the newest travels fast, as they say. Yes. So, um, I think they, they heard through Twitter and, um, and, and John's brother, actually, John Cavanaugh's brother actually works for the PR team, James Cavanaugh. Wow. So, um, we, we, we had a man on the inside already as well. So, um, he kind of let them know and we proved to them that, uh, I'm the man for the job. <laughs> so, uh, it's starting to work out now, I'm, I'm looking forward
1: to that. Well, that is fantastic. I, I actually hope it comes to fruition uh, sincerely. I think that would be a great story. Now, of course, a lot of your teammates are in Las Vegas right now preparing for UFC 189, the Mac Mansion, as, as uh, we've been calling it. You're not there. You're fighting the following week in Scotland. And some of your teammates, like I said, are, are not only there, but they're actually competing on the card, like call Pendred and... Um, uh, Gunnar Nelson, Neil Siri, of course, not a teammate, but a fellow countryman. Did you want to be on that card? Would you have preferred to be on that card as opposed to the Scotland card?
8: Um, I didn't really mind, but uh this is this is Connor's time as well. And um I didn't want to crowd the atmosphere out there and um I think the, the next level is is all fighting in different countries at different times and, and getting wins in, in on different shows. So uh it will increase, you know what I mean. If we all just follow the same kind of pattern all over again, and same as well, this is this is Connor's time. So um, I wanted to maybe um, split through a different part of the woods and uh, and separate just maybe for this time, you know. And the next time I'll we'll be back being the berserker. But, uh This time's gonna it's it's gonna be nice to, to, to go over there. And, and uh, as as I always we we have the like team major here the lighter guys as well. So. Every one of them gets to see how the UFC machine works. Uh, it gives everyone a different chance uh, to be. So there's me, John, and Ash always there. But then there's always a third spot. first time I gave it to James Gallagher. Second time was to Arkham. And then we have Richie Smullen in this time on on the corner. So, um there's, it's about a growing process over all of us as well. It's not just about uh, it's just about me. So I know that I'm going to be able to have a big opportunity to give to guys and, and show them what it's like and get there and what the dream is about. So uh, it's great to be able to do that as well and get the fight in Scotland.
1: Now, what about your training? Because a lot of your training partners and your coach has been away. I mean, I don't even think you've been in the same city for any portion of this camp. Has that been problematic?
8: Um, no, i not really sure. Most of the guys that I would train with would, would be here. And uh, we have a lot of guys that are here nearly 10 years and they, they, they're coaches in the club. Like We have Chris Fields running kind of all my sessions and I don't have to worry about the, the, the timers, let say, and getting the guys to show up. And and anyone will tell you that I'm always hands on deck with every single one of the guys here and I'm always out the hand out. So the minute I needed a hand and I said, listen guys, we need to pull this together and this is what we're going to do, I didn't even need to say um, the guys just pull together, and and the level of the guys here is uh, is crazy. On the small guys, like we have, we've the uh, Ireland's top amateur, or um weights featherweights, and uh, a serious talent here on the team. And anyone that's going to drop a boy around, with that knows that there, there's the guys here to push you every day. And you have that UFC tag on your back, so so every day they're coming for you. <laughs>
1: when you see the way they're living over there in Las Vegas in that mansion. Does a part of you kind of wish that you can experience that as well?
8: Um, I'm, in, I'm in the pad mansion here in Jobstown. <laughs> in the mean streets. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's great. You know what? It's absolutely amazing to be able to see all the, the guys living like that. And uh, especially then you, you go again, Connor's Connor's spreading the, the, the butter again to the other guys. They're getting to see what, what the fruits of the labor can be. Me and the point in, and this is what you've been getting. So uh, it's not just an individual thing here at SBG. It's, it's a lot of guys building at the same time. And when we climb up the rocks a little bit, we wait and we bring the other guys up a little bit. And, and then they pass you out, and then you're trying to catch up again. And, and that's the way it is. It, it's constant improvement. And uh, the fact of John being away, and we live in a different world these days. You know, there's, he might as well be here because you we, we have, we have like WhatsApp and videos and, and session layouts. and back and forward talk and so it feels like he has never left and uh, I'm a, I'm a big guy now I think you know and I'm looking forward to uh, putting this kind of camp together and uh, my, my training has been I, I, I can't fault it and uh, I need John then in Scotland and it's going to be great to see the guys and all again and kind of get that, uh, that strap it's going to be a nice little boost as well And, I mean move forward the Viking ship goes on area
1: yeah and I, and I would imagine also you're so close with your son it would be tough for you to be away for so long right
8: yeah, yeah, like, the, the, the getting away part kills me with, uh, with my son sometimes, but he's getting older now, which is great, which is going to be an awesome experience, and a, a growing uh, an amazing lifestyle to grow up in, traveling around the world, uh, watching the UFC, I suppose, and being ignorant to people like Lorenzo and Dana, because <laughs> he uh, he just doesn't shake these guys' hands, and he doesn't care who anybody is, you know what I mean? He's a hard man to impress, but uh, I love that about him, and... Uh, Come he he's able to come to Scotland now. So what? Oh, wow. one of my friends, one of my friends, Adam is getting pay, getting a full expenses paid trip to Scotland, tickets the whole lot. But he's got to be the babysitter. So um, it'll turn out where Tiernan is looking after him.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. So this is going to be his second time seeing you in the UFC, right?
8: Yes, it's going to be his second time being at the, the UFC and the, the watching how the ship works. You know, uh,
1: what was his experience like in Boston? What did he tell you afterwards about it?
8: Oh, he was there's some photographs I like, caught that when, when when I seen him and uh, it, it's amazing. He went into the school and told kids like, They all was just in Boston the weekend at the <laughs> UFC ED Garden and kids are like kids are asking me on the road, was he in Boston? <laughs> you know, they don't believe it. do believe this, but uh, they're starting to believe now and the thing is he doesn't wait for approval. He doesn't he doesn't care what these guys think, you know, he just he just knows and it doesn't really phase him. He's a... Uh, he he's waiting for it to his torn. He can't wait till it's to his torn area. That's what he keeps saying,
7: Right. He "Can't
8: wait till I to live, he'll be better than you." <laughs> he's what do we?
1: i ch- <laughs> Is he gonna be a fighter? I hope not. Okay.
8: But um, he can do whatever he wants to do. It's uh, it's his life, and he'll be able to go whatever road he wants as long as it's positive and creative. He can do whatever he wants. But um. If he's gonna be a fire, he's gonna find it hard, I think, cause the, the, the shadow is always there for if I think of a father was a fire, the kid always has to grow up in that shadow. But um I'd like him to go on and be a dentist or something. Or something and if, yeah, fix your teeth every time do something <laughs> something handy and safe.
1: What are you drinking, by the way?
8: Oh uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> oh, obviously.
1: Okay, okay. I'm just making sure. I thought maybe it would be coffee or something. I was like, come on. Oh,
8: this time of the night, you're mad. I don't sleep as it is there yet, right now. I don't wait it's just sitting up waiting for stuff to kick off. <laughs> but, uh, so gee, you know, I've just finished training now and uh, I get to go home now, and have something to eat, sit down on my chair, like my work, play with the dog and uh, watch your watch you, watch your film and, and go to the bed and come back and do it all over again. It's a, it's a beautiful life. I, my life is more in structure when I'm training for fights, I swear. <laughs> It's on it's just to be on um just beyond a rope when I'm not training for like uh, fights. I'm all over the place. I don't know what's going on. If you have things booked and like, they will be getting over half an hour before it and I haven't saw a part of the journey, isn't it? It's exciting.
1: Now you're not Fighting on on, on UFC 189, I know you're fighting the next week, but it does feel like in some ways the culmination of this entire Irish boom of the last couple of years, in particular for your team with Conor McGregor fighting for the belt. How will you watch it? Do you have plans? Tell us how you're going to take this in. And it's going to happen at what, like uh, 5 a.m. or so, right? Sunday morning, your time. So how are you going to watch this thing? And are you going to watch it live?
8: Of course. And you know, Ireland, everyone's getting up their jobs there, you know, no one gives this shit. You know what I mean? Everyone's having to throw the dogs out, you're just putting the kids up for adoption, giving up the jobs, and they're all just getting ready for the Conor McGregor fight. So, um, it doesn't matter who he's fighting, they, that the, whole, the whole country is here, and uh, trust me, when that hand gets raised, be quiet and listen. The whole country's going to jump at once, you're going to feel it. You're going to hear, Edda! <laughs> It's gonna work out and then the week later then we go to war ourselves.
1: Yeah. Well, how are you gonna watch it? Where are you gonna watch
8: it? Um I am watching it in a place in the city centre called Harry's on the green. So um it's a good place in there that I'm looking forward to going in and watching it. the guys are at the booking a little spot out for me and um, we're gonna have a friend or two a few friends in there or you know, I'll be eating some lettuce because it'll be we'll we'll be deep in the trenches then. Right. So um Yes, yeah, so, but I look forward to it. I'm going in with a few friends. It'll be the last kind of time before I fly out to Scotland. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be great. It's gonna uh, uh, as a fan, a friend, and and it's just a Conor McGregor enthusiast as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to. It. I can't wait. I can't wait to see see if I John, to see if I Conor, to see if for the whole team, to see if Conor's family. This is ten years in the in the making coming coming to where. Uh, from patient now you know what I mean this is a this is serious you know what I mean this could be like looking into the future for myself sure as
1: well. and, and, and that was actually my next question so you're fighting von Lee a tough guy a, a veteran of the UFC how far away like you feel like you you are ready to take that next step now is it all coming together for you after von Lee do you want to be talked about in those big contender fights and um, well i think
8: I think the next steps are in your head area. you know what I mean I think uh, if you were start thinking that this guy is the next level above me and you know, I'll I don't think anybody like, really is, is a huge step above me, you know what I mean? Uh, stepping up through the division, looking up through the ranks and things like that. And uh, I have never, ever met anybody in my life that even going around traveling to gyms and uh, sparring people, that has made me feel like, oh, like that, that guy's a lot better than me. He, he's, a, he's a higher level guy, you know what I mean? I, I had that feeling, I know what it's like when I first walked into SVG and, and John took me and, and tied me up like, like a little girl. That was, that was probably the first time I had that feeling and air. I've never had that feeling. No one has that in my weight division or anything like that has ever been able to make me feel like that. So uh, I, I will go in there and I will feel there. And the thing is, crazy, I'm crazy, tricky, and technical as well. So you have to be very aware of putting your hands and feet on me, you know? You might lose them.
1: <laughs> and by the way, is the plan to uh, to, to win, obviously, on July 10th and then fight on that Dublin card in October that they just announced? Is that what you want?
8: Definitely, I, I want to win that and I want to fight on Dublin and I want to win that and uh, if they come back to Dublin I don't think anybody would be able to say that I shouldn't be on that card you know right.
1: oh yeah man you really like,
8: I pulled the first popper the last time
1: <laughs> you really set the tone do you have a, an opponent like a dream scenario in mind for Dublin in October or someone you'd love to fight there
8: it would be to come out, knock someone out and Dana White say that was a great knockout here's a million euro for you <laughs>
1: So it's not so much about the opponent.
8: I don't really like, to be honest, Ariel, I don't I, I don't think about a lot of stuff that I can't control. But, uh, that, that, that's from John and being on the team a long time, but uh, I, in anything in life, I don't really put bother about stuff I can't control. As an example, I had a, uh, I had concrete come up in my back garden the other day, I was doing some concrete, doing a bit of DIY in my spare time, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it started raining, and I, what it, my mom's like, "Oh, the concrete's coming, and you're not going to be able to do this, and you're not going to be able to do that." But it doesn't bother. You can't control the rain, you know. So, and then the rain cleared up, and the concrete came, and life moved off.
1: Very well so, said. This is how these things... That's a great life lesson. Um, it's always great catching up with you, Patty, and I. And I appreciate you sticking Thanks. around at the gym uh, a little longer this evening for us. It means a lot. I, I hope you get that deal with Lions. Um, I'm 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 uh, I'm praying for you, my friend. It really warmed my heart when I saw that, especially when you were doing that little spot, um, you know, on the, the the steps of the cage, telling people to come out to the city center to hang out with you and stuff. It just was great. I loved it. It was it was really a beautiful thing. So I'm happy for you, my friend. Best of luck to the team on Saturday, and best of luck, of course, to you on July 18th in Glasgow against uh, Von Lee. It's a great fight, and I'm looking forward to it very much. Yeah, me too, man. I, I cannot wait. And
8: just say it real quick before. There you go. Uh, congratulations to James Gallagher getting getting the fourth win for Team Ireland on a uh, uh, amateur champion out there, Vegas. Oh, oh yes, uh, the I
1: M M A F, right? That started.
8: That is yeah. I think it's the Interna- International Mixed Martial Arts Federation.
1: And he got uh, it. He got he he the win today.
8: The fourth win. Yeah, he just put a he was number the fourth one out in the whole competition. And the fourth win on the map for Ireland now. So congratulations, James,
1: The uh The invasion continues. Perhaps, it uh, continues. Yes, perhaps a sign of good things to come later on this weekend. Thank you so much for the time, Patty. Best of luck to you. Thank
8: you very much. Look out to yourself, my man.
1: There he is. The one and only, the hooligan, Patty Houlihan, stopping by. Big fight for him on July 18th in Glasgow, Scotland. All right, we got, uh, let me see here, what's going on? lots going on here uh, as far as the Gilbert Melendez situation is concerned a bit of a shocker because of i feel like that team has been outspoken regarding PDUs let's see if i can get Mr uh Apologize for that. Still trying to digest that entire situation. Gilbert Melendez testing positive, but great stuff there from Mr. Patty Houlihan. And we do have one guest to go. Uh, We're going to be joined by Cody Garbrandt, who is in action this Saturday at UFC 189. He'll be fighting Henry Briones, and he is a member of Team Alpha Male. Great guy, great backstory. I'm looking forward to talking to him. I do have an update. Uh, Michael Lunardelli of Reebok, Reebok's head of combat training. I was informed via text earlier in the show that uh, he apparently has a meeting that he needs to attend and he will not be able to join us uh, on this particular episode. I was really looking forward to uh, to talking to him about, you know, the way it was launched, the way everything went down on Tuesday in New York, what the future holds, some of the concerns, the criticisms, all that good stuff. But uh, unfortunately, he will not be able to join us on today's episode of the MA Hour. So we're going to have to wait for that one. Hopefully in the near future, I still think that uh, this is an important topic to discuss, and he is the man to talk to about it all. So like I said, uh, in a minute, we're going to be joined by Cody Garbrandt. Uh, Our own Chuck Mindenhall has been writing some great stories about Cody since his UFC debut. Uh, If you're a casual fan of... uh, of MMA. I feel like you would have heard this one by now. Maybe a little more so than a casual fan, but this is a guy who's 6 and 0, a member of Team Alpha Male. Comes from Ohio, but uh, has been training with those guys for uh the last little while. He defeated Marcus Brimage at UFC, what was it, 182. That was the Jones Cormier fight. Uh, a very last minute win, if you will. Just 10 seconds ago in the third round, but the great story was that he has this uh, amazing relationship with a young boy named Maddox Maple, who uh, had been battling leukemia. Uh, in short, they made a pact that uh, they were going to <clears throat> uh, they were going to make this deal, uh, an agreement, if you will. Uh, Maddox beats leukemia; he makes it to the UFC, and not only does he make it, he wins. And uh, that came to fruition in January. Maddox beat it. Cody picked up his first UFC win. So he returns on Saturday at UFC 189 to fight Henry Briones, and they're taking it up a notch, as as Chuck wrote about, and they also did a a wonderful feature on Ultimate Insider. Maddox is actually going to be walking out with Cody to the cage. A beautiful moment, and one that it appears UFC matchmaker Sean Shelby played a big role in. In making into a reality. Really just fantastic stuff, an amazing bond, and uh, really heartwarming stuff. A great ambassador for the sport, a young man who is doing great things. Really excited to welcome Cody Garbrandt to the show for the very first time. He joins us via the magic of Skype, and there he is, the one and only No Love himself. Cody, how are you?
7: Good, how are you guys?
1: I'm doing great. So you are in Sacramento right now?
7: Yep, at a gym, Alpha Male Headquarters.
1: Alpha Male Headquarters. So what's the vibe there? I mean, you were fighting on the card, Obviously, people were excited you are getting ready, but now things have uh, have changed drastically, right? The stakes have changed because Chad Mendez fighting in the main event. Once that happened, once that came to fruition, what was the vibe like at the gym?
7: Uh, we came in and uh, we had all kind of coloring books around, and we played Duck Duck Goose all week, and it was it was, it was electric in here, so it was awesome.
1: The the uh...
7: you know, it was great to have him on the card and the energy, you know. You know it's always energy he's always here in the gym especially you know now he's fighting conor mcgregor and uh you know it was just awesome
1: did you help him prepare for this fight
7: yeah i mean uh you know we have a bunch of stable guys you know that that helped him and i gave my input on you know conor and his striking style and how he approaches it so we collaborated all of us together as you know a lot of some of the other teammates and uh figured what was going to Connor was going to throw at him, would work, you know, and just getting him ready for it.
1: How often uh, do you spend, or, or how often, like, how much time do you spend in Sacramento as opposed to Ohio? Because you still live in Ohio, right?
7: No, I actually moved out to Sacramento, uh, it's going to be a year, okay. coming up on a year in July, so I live out here. I go back in between fights, like, I like to go see my family and friends and, uh, you know, Maddox and all those guys back home, just stay grounded, you know, just to... Uh, keep grounded, you know, in between fights, go to see them, come back home. My uncle wasn't my uh, striking coach, so he lives in Ohio. I go and, you know, hit pads with him, you know, work with him and come back out here.
1: So I was just talking about this uh, wonderful relationship that you have with Maddox, um, who you will be walking out to the cage with on Saturday. And this is an emotional story. It's a great story. You've done so much for him. He's done a lot for you as well. You know, you were kind of a troubled youth when when you first met him, and, and you've really cleaned up your... Your life and you're very successful now and you're living your UFC dream what's it gonna be like as you walk to the cage you're about to get into a fight it's it's a high-pressure situation tense anxious there's a lot going on but this young boy is gonna be with you and he means so much and he represents so much to you I mean is it gonna be hard to focus on the task at hand you feel like you might get a little too emotional what how you gonna deal with that that mix of emotions playing out in front of your eyes
7: Man, I uh, you know in the fight I'm a very emotional fighter so I feel a off my emotions and uh, you know watching that kid you know over the past you know four years battle for his life and finally you know he couldn't walk you know uh, when he was taking the chemo and seeing things he couldn't do as a kid being able to walk him down in the cage and let him live out a dream it's gonna no matter what Henry throws at me or comes prepared for I'm gonna be ready for it. so I'm gonna use that motivation just holding his hand watch walk him to the cage and you uh, i to use that as motivation in the cage when when things get, you know, you never know what happens in a fight, a fight's a fight, but I'm going to dig deep and I'm uh, going to make this uh, a memory that so he'll last for a lifetime, you know, I'm definitely going to get the win and I'm going to look to knock Henry out early on in the first round.
1: So we know about the pact of him, you know, beating leukemia and you making it to the UFC. Was this part of the deal as well? You guys walking to the cage to the UFC fight?
7: yeah he, he he's always walked me to my my fights in the past, and uh, when he when he was healthy enough to walk. And uh, it was something that he he dreamed of doing, he said, I hope I hope, hope the UFC will let me walk, you know and that's what I wanted to do when he was when he was taken uh, he had about seven months left of uh, chemotherapy he had to take and. That's one thing he, he was, I don't know, you know, kept him optimistic. and Like I said, he's like, I'm going to walk you to the cage. You know, we made our, made our bonds to each other, made our promises to each other about, you know, he's going to beat cancer and I'm going to make it to the UFC and I'm going to bring you there, you know, and, and so I, I want to walk you to the cage. So that was one of his, his dreams and goals was to be able to walk me to the cage, you know, fighting for his life every day. He's still so optimistic that he was going to be able to walk me to the cage and it's just great, you know, it says so much about the UFC and the company, um, letting him be able to live out a dream that he's dreamed, you know. He woke up every day fighting for his life, and now he gets to, on July 11th, you know, live out a dream, walk into the cage. How old is he now? He's nine. He's nine years old now. He was diagnosed with uh, five and a half years old, and uh, August 25th he'll be in remission for a year. He'll be a year in remission, so. There was,
1: there was a bit of a scare, though, when you made your debut, right? Were they afraid that it was coming back?
7: Yeah, they didn't, uh, they didn't tell me to after the fight, but... He was in a wheelchair, and I just didn't want to question, you know what I mean? I just didn't want to question. I wanted you know. I was happy that I was out here, and, and they didn't want me to worry about it as well. But, you know, um, I knew something was up. But, you know, I made we made the best of it, you know. He, the kid's such an optimistic kid. I'm an optimistic person as well, so we feed off that. You know, he had to be in the wheelchair for Vegas the, the because, you know, he, he was in some pain. So we made the best of it, you know. I was driving him around to the MGM, popping wheelies in his wheelchair, just taking him everywhere, making him feel like a kid. You know, and just having a good time with him, you know, he's very, uh, it's good to be around, you know, he gets, he gets out here this Wednesday, so I get to hang out with him, you know, just it's a calming feeling, you know, having him there, and just, you know, treating him like a regular kid.
1: Has he ever said to you, I want to be just like you, and I want to be a UFC fighter as well?
7: Um, He, said, he's, he always tells me how, much, how proud he is of me, and, uh, you know, that I'm his hero, and, you know, he's so thankful I helped save his life, and, you know, hearing that, hearing those things, you know, his parents say the same thing, but coming from a nine-year-old the kid, you know, just most my heart, man, like I said, he's always had a special place in my heart, ever since the first day I met him, I left his house, and I sat down with his parents and talked to him, and uh, just made a huge impact on my life, and put my life in perspective, so, so thankful for him, like I said, we met on un- unfortunate circumstances, but, so we made the best out of it, and, you know, here, here we are writing a, you know, a story that's, you know, it's you just, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it.
1: You know? Yeah, it's an amazing thing because you're, you're not uh, family, you're you, no blood relation. Yet, the way you talk about him and look at him, and, and it just—you could tell that this guy means the world to you. This little kid means the world to you, which is not something you see often. It doesn't seem fake at all, which I really commend you about.
7: Yeah, I mean, I, like I said I just I, I don't know what it is, you know. It's—it's it's, the kid that comes in the room and he just lights up the whole room with the, He's got that million-dollar smile, and you know, even when he's going through the, the darkest days, you know, he always will put on a smile. and that's something that I was just like, man, there's a little kid fighting for his life, and I choose to fight, you know? I choose to have fighting in my life, so, you know, waking up every day, coming to the gym, you know, it it, it helped me stay grounded and motivated, everyday motivated. I, I, I choose this. I choose this profession. This is what I want to do. This is my dream. This is a kid that has no choice. He has to fight for his life every day, so just, you know, the grinding out here with the practices, you know, three times a day, uh, I, I leaned on him towards strength, so... You know, and he don't even know how much he's helped me out in life and, and in fighting. So until he's older, you know, we have a couple beers together. I can, you know, he'll, he'll be able mm. to understand. So.
1: By the way, once the fight actually happens, where will he be?
7: Um, I We got, we got tickets for him. I'm having his family. Uh, my sponsor takes care of that. his travel expense and everything. So, I don't know. He's walking me to the cage. So hopefully, I don't know, the UFC will have a nice uh, seat for him. I know it's a packed house. But, yeah. Uh, you no, know, yeah, I'm just glad he's there. Like he was at my debut, and the the lady that was security let him down to like the front row where we were walking back to the cage, and oh, wow. it was cool to see. Him. I gave him a big hug. He was crying. He had his little flag with him, and it was just great. I gave him the biggest hug, and I just, you know, it felt like he melted in me. You know, it was something that we dreamed about doing, and it was great to have him there. And it was it was awesome. It was awesome.
1: Does your relationship with him make you want to have kids of your own?
7: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I've always wanted to have kids. Um, you know, I think I'd be a great father, and uh, um, I don't know. I just you know, when the time's right, you know, definitely when the time's right when I'm in, towards the end of my career. I definitely like to have kids. I've always said I like to have uh, two boys and a girl. You know, two older boys and a girl, so the the, the boys can. You know, that's how we grew up. When I, you know, I'm older brother and a younger sister. Then we had we had more more siblings. So I have four brothers and three sisters, but that's how we grew up when I was, you know. We had uh, two older brothers and a younger sisters, so that's kind of what I would like
1: to have, but uh, time will tell. And then so, so much going on with you. I, I, I get an email recently from TMZ telling the world, wow, this is breaking news about your love life, that you're dating Paige Van Zandt. Oh, an email, I get a press release about this. What is going on here? Wow. Did you want the world to know all
7: this? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's out there
1: but did uh, you think it would worse. be this big of a deal like I, I don't usually get emails about you know yes. fighters uh love life
7: yeah I didn't think so either I mean hey, she's, a, she's a superstar so I guess it comes with it huh
1: yeah I guess so it's an amazing thing life must be good for you right now though right
7: life's good you know I'm getting these are these, you know I dreamed of these these days and they're upon me so you know I'm about to have my second UFC fight uh, you know, Chad's on the card. Yeah, I think life's great. You know, Matt. You know, just everything's good, man. The the vibes, the energy. I'm excited to go out there and show my skills on Saturday. I've been working hard uh, ever since my last fight, and my eyes are on the prize. You know, I want to keep climbing that UFC bantamweight ladder and uh, reach my ultimate goal, the champion.
1: You're 23 years old, right?
7: Yeah, I turn 24 actually tomorrow.
1: Oh wow, I turn 33 on Wednesday. How about that? All right. Cancer we'll have, babies.
7: We'll have some <laughs>
1: That's right. So so you're, you're you're a very mature young man, and you're 6-0. Did you really think, though, considering the stuff that you were dealing with, you know, you were kind of going down the wrong path not that long ago, did you think that all of this would happen so soon for you in your MMA career? I mean, a lot, a lot of great things, cool things are happening to you at a very young age.
7: Man, really coming out here, um, I always believed in myself, believed in my skills. Um, but coming out here to Team Alpha, really... Uh, Really catapulted my career. Being around these guys, as champions, and the, the mindsets, I got with positive people, and you know, and, and had positive out, outcome from it. You know, these guys, you know, I, I just finished up my last practice with them uh, today before I fly out tomorrow, and I just, you know, thank them all. You know, I wouldn't be here without these guys. You know, I, I, I wouldn't. You know, this is like uh, kind of my last chance. I came out here just on a whim, like, hey, I'm gonna check out Team Alpha Male, see see, see, you know, see what this is about, see where my skills are at, comparing to the UFC stars that are out in this gym, so I came out here a week, and that was it. Uh, that's all I needed was a week. The first day, the first time I stepped on the mat, I was like, this is where I want to be, the energy, and, you know, it kind of really, I, I had all my fights. I was 1-0 when I came out here. I grinded out the next four fights, came 5-0, got the call from the UFC, and i just been, you know, dedicating myself to, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe MMA, and this is what I'm going to do. at a young age, and it just shows that uh, anything's possible with hard work and dedication.
1: Was there someone on the team that really took you under his wing?
7: Uh, you know, I took to a lot of the guys, all the guys, you know, kind of like a brotherhood, you know, I felt really close and they, they were very welcoming. Uh, I didn't say Araya, you know, uh, Araya definitely looks like a big brother, definitely a big brother to me. And, uh, you know, say, Hey, you get the five and O you train, work hard, you know, you're going to be a star. So uh, I believed in him and I listened to him and I moved out here. Uh, it's the best decision I've made in my life, man. I'm forever grateful for, you know, Ryan and everything that he does for me.
1: And didn't you kind of put Sean Shelby on the spot? Isn't that how you got the contract? Like, you saw him, I think, in Texas, in Austin, and you were like, come on, you got to sign me. Is that no. what happened?
7: No, I mean, uh, I was help, helping out Joe with his fight, and it was my manager was there. Was like, hey, you know, Sean Shelby, you're right in there, let's, you know, and Sean was there, and, yeah, Sean just came up to me. and I was like, hey, you want to play? And I was like, yeah, definitely, and, shook his hand and was right there. So wow. Not even I was getting signed, I you was know, just kinda of like going out there and hanging out. It was cool to see all the behind the scenes of the UFC and uh came up. Didn't even think I was gonna get signed. Sean so came up to me and offered me to fight with Grimage on short notice. And I'm a fighter and you know a fighters fight, so I was definitely all about taking the fight, and going out there and fighting.
1: Of course you're also known for your tattoos. What age did you get your first tattoo?
7: Thirteen. I was thirteen years Damn. old.
1: Damn, yeah. that is a baller right there. And how many do you have now? Do you have any yeah. idea?
7: I mean, I have, I've lost count. I have so many hours. I have so many hours of artwork. Um, I, had a, I had a sponsor when I was younger. Uh, his name is Dallas Brewer. That, hey, to sponsor me. You know what I mean? Just give me, uh, give me tattoos. I'm wow. Like, I, I'd, move. I'd ride my bike to the tattoo shop, you know, and get tatted up, come up with a new tattoo. My mom's like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, and then time, you know, she's. And half the time, she didn't even know I had a new tattoo because I had so many. You know? Right. You tell her was on. <laughs> she wouldn't
1: even... But what about the neck? How much did that hurt? I mean, the Adam's apple, did any of that hurt?
7: I think I psyched myself up. I was like, you know, like, oh, this is going to be a son of a gun, you know. So <laughs> I psyched myself before I got the tattoo, and, and it wasn't that bad. You know? It wasn't that bad. I would say my stomach was one of the worst. I was younger when I got it, too, on the stomach. So my stomach was more painful than the neck, but... They all they all suck, dude. They all, they all, all tattoos suck.
1: But <laughs> what do you regret having so many?
7: No, no. It tells you know it's a story. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna care what you know. And when I'm older, it's like it's all party. You know? I mean, every tattoo has a story. And uh, the time of my life, you know, is where I got them. I'll never regret a tattoo. And uh, you know,
1: so. do you have any, they they want. any free real estate left, or are you all covered up?
7: No, I got yeah, I got some more projects I'm gonna do. They're just hard. I'm always in the gym. I yeah, know. there's so many attacks. Andre Feely's trying to catch with me, so I can't let him catch Uh-oh. me. in get his whole stomach and everything. So I got the, I'm gonna, I got a few planned after the fight. I take like a, a week off, get tatted up all week, and uh, that's it. I come back.
1: Okay, uh, before I let you go, what's what's the prediction on your fight, but also Chad's fight? Let's go on the record because you're the one who called that. Chad, you tweeted that he was that he was getting the fight before anyone knew it. How did you know?
7: I just, I just could tell, I mean, if Otto's going to come out with a rib injury, I just knew he wasn't going to, you know, I, I could just, I don't know, for some reason, man, I, I do float therapy, and it's where a deprivation tank, you see all these, like, crazy visual dreams, might, everyone thinks I'm crazy about it, but if you get in the float, you know, the float tank, uh, you, you understand, so I see all these visions and dreams, and I've seen all of my last five fights in the way I predicted them, Wow. and I saw Chad there, I saw Chad there, getting warming up in the same room I was for the fight on the same day, and I was like, it only had to be, like, he's going to fight Connery. And uh, yeah, I tweeted it out, and here it is. You know, he's fighting, but uh, I'm gonna go out there. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely stop Henry from honest. Um Whenever the fight, whenever I want to knock him out, I'm gonna knock him out. But I want to get a first-round finish. Um, I, I, I finished everyone that I fought. You know, first, second. Round. It's time to, you know, now let my hands go in the first and really show how how, how dominant I am gonna be in this division.
1: And what about Chad? Since you're this uh, Nostradamus-like character.
7: McGregor falls in three.
1: Okay. That's what he said as well.
7: Falls, falls in three. He's not going to... I mean, Chad's one of the best. He's a freak athlete, Chad Mendes. He's a freak athlete, you know, uh, power in both hands. He's He's been grinding since he was a little kid wrestling. You know, he's made it to the NCAA Division One Finals, you know... Uh, Conor doesn't prepare for that. He can say he, he's trained his whole life and does eight kickoffs. Wrestling's a different beast. When you wrestle your whole life and you grind on the mat, it gives you a different mentality. Where you know Conor falls in three. Conor falls in three. All right. Henry in one. Conor in three.
1: Okay, we heard it here first. Great to have you on the show, man. I really appreciate the time, especially after your last training session. Um, you're doing a great thing with Maddox and uh I tip my cap to you. It's a, it's a really beautiful story. I can't wait to see it play out on Saturday at UFC 189. I wish you the best of luck to you and the team, and I'll see you out there, my friend.
7: All right, thanks. I'll see you out there.
1: There he is. Cody No Love Garbrandt joining us from Sac Sacramento. Big moment for him on Saturday night at UFC 189. A beautiful moment. Walking out with that young man. It's uh it's great to see a pro athlete doing that for someone, and, and they've really been helping out each other. Love seeing that stuff. Uh, if you haven't seen that Ultimate Insider piece on uh, when he when he came to uh, Maddox's house and uh, and broke the news to him, I do suggest checking it out. Also, <clears throat> I suggest checking out Chuck Mendenhall's two stories on his relationship with Maddox. Beautiful stuff as well. All right. Um, Let's take a couple of uh, quick calls very fast, and then we're going to go to your questions and comments. There's a lot to get to, breaking news, all that good stuff. Let us first go to uh, Jason on line number one. I'm not sure where he's calling from, but he is our good friend Jason. Hashtag biggest UFC fan on four wheels. Jason, what is going on, my man? Hey, brother. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, good. You?
9: I'm great. Uh, Just gearing up for this great weekend ahead. Will you be there? Uh, yes, yes, definitely. I couldn't, couldn't miss it. Couldn't pass it up. Awesome. But uh, another great show with a great guest. Um, the main reason I'm calling is because of International Fight Week is this week. And I know how you're a huge fan of uh, putting out these sport challenges. So uh, with uh, UFC's charity bowling event this week, I thought that the number one MMA journalist <laughs> should take on the UFC's biggest fan on four wheels and the loser donates to the charity of your choice.
1: What do you think? So so we're going to battle each other in bowling? Is that what you're suggesting?
9: Yep. There's a big charity bowling event yes. uh, on Thursday. Um, um, I'm going to be there uh, Thursday morning. I figured that uh, we could do it before if you want, and um, we can come up with uh, whatever uh, wager you want, and the uh, Loser donates it to the charity of your choice.
1: So I, I love the offer, and I appreciate it, and, and I'm not ducking you, but and, and New York, Rick, <laughs> can attest to this. I was just telling him before the show that Thursday might be the busiest day in the history of MMA media. They have three media things. They've got a press conference, an Ultimate Media Day for the 189 card, and also an Ultimate Media Day for the fighters there for International Fight Week. And then, right afterwards, it's Invicta. There's Invicta on Thursday night as well, and I have to cover it. Yeah, so how can I do it all? How can I go to Invictus? Hey,
9: I, I now now I know how you feel when uh, when Bindo doesn't answer your challenge. Wow,
1: so it's like that, oh. huh? <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh, one of these days uh, we'll make it happen, but uh, this Thursday too tough. But I appreciate you putting it out there.
9: Hey, I, hey, uh, I still got a I I got I got a bid out on Chuck Liddell and. And Joanna, so hopefully, maybe if, uh, <laughs> if my if I my bid's high enough, I can bowl against that, those guys.
1: Oh, so I'm I'm the uh, the third choice. That's what's going oh, on. Oh no
9: no 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 no! You've I've been planning this challenge for a long time since Vic's back in Kansas City. You asked New York Rick about it. All right, um, fair enough. So, but no, you're definitely my first choice. Definitely.
1: I appreciate the definitely. call, man, and I look forward to seeing you out there in Las Vegas.
9: Yeah, but I'll be there for sure. Thank you. Another great show. All
1: right, there he is, Jason, laying down the uh, the challenge. Thursday is crazy, though. I don't know how it's all going to actually happen, but uh, we'll make do. All right. What do we got? Questions now? Questions now. Gosh, so much going on. Stacked. Stacked show, breaking news. We tried to get Ally Quinta, but no word, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. His fight happening in uh, nine days. Poor guy. He was supposed to fight Bobby Green. Now, Gilbert, this is shocking. I still haven't really digested it. I mean, this is Gilbert Melendez, not one of those guys that you would think, right? I mean, you think... You you know, I've said this many times. You know my attitude. There's almost, there's,
0: like, less than a handful of guys that would shock me. <clears throat> and even then, it wouldn't be shock so much as, like, disappointment. Yeah. It'd be, like, BJ Penn, and then outside of that, really, like, one or two other guys and... Even then I'm reluctant to even
1: say their name because they're probably going to pop at some point this year so this where does this one fall? Is this not a, a shocker to you? not really like this I wasn't mean, one of those three four guys I mean no there, there there's certain guys that you put in that b j pen car- uh, category. the rest are all fair game I and mean I, it's like Chris Weidman maybe it's
0: the people who are rallying very yeah. actively against this a Tim Kennedy, somebody like that who's going out of their way to say...
1: I feel like a scrap pack kind of guy, like the, the the 209 guys were kind of in that category, right? No?
0: I think their complaints are much less about um, drug use in MMA, whether it be performance enhancing or otherwise, and more about <laughs> rules of MMA and extending it to 10-round fights and things like that. Um, but, you know, I also think that mentality is is very specific to the Diaz brothers rather than you know, the whole team, you know, Jake Shields had, um, his own issue, uh, that was a little bit, you know, he, he, initially when it came out, there were no details revealed about it. And then he kind of spoke about it a little bit later. Um, but it's not the first time in, in, you know, that team wild that said, it's not one that, you know, you go, Oh, this guy's got, you know, superhero muscles and it's somebody who you think right away is, uh, is somebody who's going to test positive, but at this point, nobody nobody surprises me. But yeah. it seems it seems from his statement that you know it, it was a a situation where you know this is what he's claiming a situation where um, he took something and he wasn't aware versus you know actively yeah. trying to cheat. Now well, you know that's everybody's kind sure. of excuse,
1: but we'll see you know what comes to light. But you know what, at least he's not fighting it. Yeah, you know he he said I'm sorry, I I, I messed up. Um, at least he's taking the and this doesn't excuse. Certainly doing anything not. illegal but at least he's taking um the blame now it's also interesting that this happened before the the anti-doping policy actually kicked in because it kicks in or it kicked in on july 1st so this is uh wow this is just shocking stuff you have and to wonder if maybe he would have fought it
0: harder if uh, if it was a two-year Gosh, versus yeah. a
1: one-year wow just just incredible and the ufc was policing that event yep. ufc was the commission there in mexico Um, so, I mean, that's a positive step. Good for them. And, um, one year out. Yeah.
0: I think, you know, this is going to continue to happen. And I think this is, this is a byproduct of us, you know, wanting or, you know, whoever the people that were rallying for a cleaner sport. Yeah. Um,
1: this is what we're going to start seeing. So get used to it. This is why I said last week on UFC tonight that the story of the first half of the year, it's not the sexy story that John Jones is or, um you know uh, the world tour with conor mcgregor and reebok and all that stuff but the story of the last six months without a doubt in my mind is the ufc partnering with usada because of what it will be in the next five ten years and the story of the next six months is also what's going to happen now because i feel like yeah. this is going to happen more often than not and uh and it's going to be really interesting to see how the ufc rebounds because now look look, look we're, we're nine days away and I mean that's a good card and, and and you know the card will go on it's not like it's going to get canceled but that was in my opinion the most interesting fight on the card that was the the people's main event by far I mean the main event of Mir versus Duffy is fine but to me I Quinta getting a shot against Gilbert that was just fascinating stuff yeah it's anyway. it's
0: a shame to lose that fight okay Conor McGregor star power Conor McGregor is undoubtedly a star already in the UFC we just saw him uh, on the Conan O'Brien show which to my knowledge only Ronda Rousey has been on out of all the UFC fighters. Is that With that the- big of a deal, though? I mean, that's it's not the big four, right? I still the- think it's a pretty big deal. I mean, Conan was the host of the, ton- the Tonight yes. Show and chose, you know, when... Or rather... You know, if I have my facts straight, which I may very well may not, I believe, you know, NBC wanted to put Jay Leno back in there. Wait, wait are um, we going
1: into the history of the, the, of the late, late Night shows? Wars? Oh, I, I know the entire history. Why are you trying to educate so me what on I'm, this? So
0: what I'm saying is Conan O'Brien was essentially one of those guys. In fact, he was, you know. Sure. The, the, the primetime guy. Him, He was Jimmy Fallon. Well, no. When he had The Tonight Show... He was, he was
1: the guy that was oh, going yes, to replace yes. Jay I forgot Jimmy Fallon. And then he Jimmy Fallon has, uh, has
0: taken the Tonight Show, so yeah, he was he was where Jimmy Fallon is. So I think he still has that cachet, even though he's on TBS. Um, that I consider that a big deal. Maybe you know, maybe I'm alone in that, but I think Conan is still a a relatively big deal. But it's deal. not
1: you know broadcast network television; it's cable TV. So that's why sure. you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to poo poo it. I'm just being an a hole here. It was fun seeing the two Irishmen together.
0: Um, in any case. With a win on Saturday, yes, for Conor McGregor, yeah, do you think he he rivals Ronda Rousey as the biggest star in the UFC if he's not already there?
1: Uh, um, you know, I got to be honest. I mean, seven million dollar gate, right? It's hard. It's hard to really okay, look. Well, it depends on what you mean by yes, biggest. Yes, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Because Ronda is opening doors that have never even been an option to be open before. I mean, she's on the Morning America show. She's uh, on The View. I mean, she's opening these doors. I mean, uh, Kelly and, and Michael, incredible, right? Yep. He's not going to open those doors. It's just not going to happen. But could he be a bigger, you know, moneymaker? That's a possibility. And that's, important. that's an important thing to account for. When he you- he said it himself. He said it himself that he's only got in the UFC right now that could sell at a stadium. Now, you know, he's going to say a lot. But I actually believe that. I believe that he's the only fighter in the UFC right now that can actually sell a stadium, any stadium in in any part of the world. So if you put like if you put uh uh, you know a active fighter, so George and those guys, they don't come into play. Ronda's number one spot would have to be California. That's where she's from, and uh, probably that's where she's the biggest draw. I would say. So let's say you put Ronda in the L.A. Coliseum, can she sell it out? I don't think so. You put. Connor at Croke Park in Ireland in his you know most most um, you know optimum situation he sells it out. You put John Jones in in uh, I don't know uh Giant Stadium Yankee Stadium I don't think he sells it out. Right? I, I mean depending on
0: the opponent I think they could sell out a stadium with John Jones. You think they can? I think you know DC DC, DC versus John Jones in a stadium. Okay, DC Jones 2 at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse maybe. I <laughs> i think they could sell it. i think they could sell out a stadium but i think the point is still valid that conor mcgregor makes and that most people will recognize is that he is um box office yeah. for sure and depending on what you mean by biggest star he may be already the biggest star has conor had to do more work than should be expected of him during the build-up to 189 especially given the fact that there's another championship Law- lawler and rory are boring talkers i realize uh Cross-country flights for kit releases and media obligations while having to deal with an opponent change seems like a lot to ask of anyone. I know he says he likes the work, but if he loses this fight, he loses a lot of future earnings. Uh, so essentially this person saying, does he have too much media responsibility and otherwise? You know, <laughs> the Reebok
1: thing and all that. And by the way, I love his uh, final comment. Thanks and Baba Booey to all. Or to y'all, I should say. Um, I-, I was surprised that he made the trip, but look, he said it perfectly when we spoke to him. You know this is uh, this is what I have to do this is what separates me from everyone else. I guess it remains to be seen whether or not it's too much, but he had to go from he had to go from uh, uh, Vegas to to Bristol on Monday to New York on Tuesday to l a to do the Conan show then back to Vegas that is a lot right Is he the biggest star I mean yeah. this is the he, indication this is what comes this of is it. the
0: guy who this is the guy who they're sending around to do that so um, I think it's a lot to ask of him, but it seems like he's a guy who understands the game and is up for the challenge.
1: And and he says that once he's there, he loves it, and he thrives and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I was talking to someone about, like, about Rory and Robbie, and, and, and Robbie was up for it to go to that thing in New York. Um, Connor was coming cross-country. Rory wasn't all that into it, but, it, like, what, what are you going to say at that point? You're the one who has to make the shortest trip from Montreal. So kind of put the pressure on on rory to actually come to new york and and do the whole thing but hey you know we'll see so far he's handled everything beautifully he's he's really stepped up to the plate and he's turned into a, a megastar seven million dollar gate is incredible it's the second biggest gate in uh, in ufc history and in my part it's in, in my opinion it's largely in part to, in 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 part to him i mean he's the reason why this is actually happening if Connor does win the interim belt
0: on Saturday, do you guys think he can still fight in Dublin in October like he said he wants to? If he loses, I know the chances would be higher, but no one wants that. Well, almost no one. Also, great show last week, right at
1: the heart of everything. Love it. I, I, I just don't see that happening because the Dublin show is a fight pass event. If he loses, um, like 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 this man said, Casterly rocks, I think that it, it could definitely happen, but honestly, even if he loses... Have a hard time seeing it happen. Now he says he really wants it. He's a persuasive guy. He might make it happen. But Conor McGregor at this stage of his career, fighting on a Fight Pass show, it seems like he's surpassed that, right? I mean, he's one of the very, I mean, him, Rhonda. Uh, we I just
0: mean, had a championship fight on Fight, yeah, on fight but Pass. Yeah, he's different.
1: He's not. I'm he's not, not, not saying on the same it's level. exactly
0: the same. I'm not saying they're at that level. But I am saying that, you know, if, if there's a way to kind of draw more eyeballs to Fight Pass and continue to push that, um conor mcgregor fighting there after a loss i mean rightfully he'd have to headline a pay-per-view as the champion but after a loss you know i think it's i think it's unlikely at this point but i don't know if it's completely out of the question
1: i would be surprised i think he's a part of it he does media all that stuff guest fighter but um unless they change it and they make it into an fs1 event or something like that sure i i don't know look it would be incredible business so many people would sign up to fight pass who probably aren't signed up but if he's the champion, you could rule it out. If he loses, I think you have a better chance.
0: Okay, Robbie Lawler has grown leaps and bounds since coming over from Strikeforce and winning the UFC title, but many people don't think he won the second Hendricks fight and the first fight where Rory is very close. Do you think he needs to beat McDonald in convincing fashion to truly be validated as UFC welterweight champion? Um,
1: I don't think so. I mean, it was a close fight against... A lot of people believe that you have to defend it once to really be, you know, a champion. I don't believe that. You win the belt, you win the belt. Um, If you could beat Roy McDonald again, I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. But I don't think he has, I mean, the fact that he's even in this position. This is a guy who lost to Lorenz Larkin at 185 in Strikeforce, was completely uninterested uh, as far as his career went. I mean, remember that Fedor press conference? With Dan Henderson in Chicago, he was sleeping. Yep. He had checked out. He was, no, I, I remember when he came into the UFC and was scheduled to fight Josh Koscheck, I thought there was a horrible matchup that they wanted to get rid of him. He had a big contract. He was going down to 170, which sometimes at this stage of one's career is kind of like that Hail Mary effort to remain relevant. And he's fighting as champion on the biggest show of the year thus far and probably of the year, period. I mean, it's, it's amazing that he's even in this spot. And it's amazing how good he has looked. And his only loss in the UFC since coming back was a razor-thin decision to Johnny Hendricks, which, by the way, he was in the fight. I mean, he really lost it in the final minute. Comes back after winning twice to defeat Johnny Hendricks in December, and now he defends the title against Warren McDonald, who he already beat at UFC 167. And if he could beat again, I mean, wow, what can you say? So I don't really think he has anything left to prove as far as, you know, is he championship-worthy. This is all gravy at this point. I, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this coming. I thought, I mean, I thought this was kind of the end for him. He was going to have a few fights in the UFC, and that was it. Who saw this coming? Who's the I one lo- that predicted this?
0: No, uh, nobody. But I also think that with guys like uh, Robbie, who are essentially, you know, fan favorites, um, those close those close fights tend to kind of, you know, disappear. We remember them a little differently. And uh, Like which one? Like I'm saying, you know, the fight with Rory, close fight. The fight with Johnny, close yep. fight. Yep, yep, yep. Um, if that was somebody who, you know, rubbed people the wrong way or, you know, people weren't rallying behind, that may be a sticking point. That may be something that people bring up. Well, you know, he, he sure. barely scraped by with this person, but with somebody with like uh Robbie, who everybody seems to love, um, that, that doesn't uh that doesn't stick out so much and we kinda just want to move on to the next fight.
1: No, I get it, but before coming to the UFC, like I said, he lost to Lorenz Larkin. He had lost three of four. His only win was that crazy flying knee against Adlan Amagov. Lost to Jacare. Lost to Tim Kennedy. And then in the UFC, I mean, uh, f- finished Josh Kosciuk, TKO. Finished Bobby Voker. That was also a KO, a great KO. Beats Roy McDonald. And I, and I think he deserved to win that one. The, the Hendricks loss was close, as we mentioned. Beat Ellenberger convincingly. Beat Brown via decision, but no one thought that that was a bad call. And then comes back and beats Johnny Hendricks. Split decision, but... You know, I don't really think in, in hindsight a lot of people had too big of a problem. So, I mean, it's not like he's been you know, squeaking out these wins left and right. It's been pretty damn impressive and dominant. So it's an, one of the great comeback stories in, in MMA history, period.
0: Okay, speaking about some of those guys, real quick.
1: Yes. Matchups for the following people
0: after UFC 189. Woodley, Hendricks, and Condit. Um, you weigh in on this for a second. I mean, I'd love to see... You know, it seems that Hendricks is next in line, and it seems like that's you know what's been said already. Um, so I would I would have no problem seeing you know Hendricks versus the winner, and then I I'm down with a Woodley Condit rematch. Although I know that you know some people don't really want to see that, uh, I'm down for that. Check your chat. Check my chat. Okay. Uh,
1: I'm gonna weigh in on this. Um, I want to see Woodley versus Hendricks. I think that's a. I, I wish it was happening around the same time um i wish that it would all coincide because as we've talked about on the show timing is everything but i think rankings wise it makes sense look i feel bad for hendrix that he was promised the shot and i wouldn't be against it if they give him the shot um i feel bad that you know he 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 took a fight against matt brown kind of helped save that card to a degree and now he might have to fight again but i really want to see woodley versus hendrix I really want to see Woodley versus Hendricks. I really think that would be a, a really fun number one contender fight. A great matchup as well. Did you get your the, the message I sent you? Oh. Eric? Oh, wait.
0: Oh, headphones. He's trying to talk to you. Oh. I'm, can't.
1: No, but I can hear you guys. So take me off. Uh, there you go. Um... I'm trying to get someone on the show last minute. It looked like it was happening. Now it looks like it's not going to happen. It's all very weird. You know when you could see those little dots on the iPhone when someone's writing? Sometimes that could be a very tense situation. Like what are they going to say? Are they going to say what you want them to say? Are they not Sorry, I know you guys love when I uh, have the dead air. Anyway, I'd like to see it. I, I I can understand if at this point it wouldn't make a lot of sense because, um, you know, they want to have a contender in line, and if you have Woodley fight Hendrix later on, let's say September, October, now the winner of this fight is going to have to wait for quite some time. I mean, it's just, I don't know, kind of holds things up a little bit. Uh Sorry, this is all. This is all happening. It's all very fluid. It's happening in front of our eyes. It's a. It's a, a developing situation, as they say on the news. Um, oh. Uh. Okay, I think we got it. Just waiting from the. Yes, Eric tells me. Right now we are being joined live to discuss this breaking news. Gilbert Melendez testing positive, suspended for a year against the man who he was supposed to fight in San Diego in nine days. Raging Ally Quinta joins us right now. Al, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
10: You got it, man. You got it. So
1: when did you Where's find that
10: gift Where's that, that gif of me going like this and slamming my head <laughs> on the desk? What, what, uh, oh, man, this is, uh, when did you find out? Day.
1: When did you find out?
10: Uh, I just, uh, Mark Ramondi messaged me on Twitter. Yeah. He asked me if I had a, uh, a statement, a quote. I said about what? And he said about Gilbert Melinda. And then he was like, oh, maybe, oh, I'm sorry. you had to find out like this, but he, he failed his drug test and he, testosterone, he's out. I, I, he didn't say he was out he said he failed his drug test testosterone and I was like shit fuck everything but he's still fighting though right and then he said no and oh man just uh yeah it's not good man i was I was bummed because I was really really uh I was so uh excited for this fight it was a it was a good fight for me man
1: have you talked to the UFC
10: yeah I spoke with my manager and he he spoke with the UFC. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like there's going to be a fight, man.
1: Oh, man. That is yeah. disappointing. So you're off the card?
10: Yeah, well, the thing was, they were going to, you know, they were going to, Joe Silva said he didn't know who he was going to get. It was probably not going to be a ranked guy. And, uh, you know, at this point, um, for the last, like, couple fights, I've been dealing with an injury and I said to myself, I said, after this fight, I'm going to get it fixed and, uh, I'm going to get it taken care of. And then this happened today and I was like, you know, I've been... The last couple, uh, you know, I've been really struggling through training. And I said, uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to get it fixed. This is like a sign that um, I just got to get it looked at and get it fixed. And, uh, you know, fight it, fight uh, full strength from now on.
1: What's the problem?
10: Uh, I had a knee surgery, a couple, couple, uh, it was actually right after the Ultimate Fighter. And uh, it never really, never really healed right. And it's just been getting worse and worse every fight. i just been... Uh, putting it off putting it off and now it's kind of uh it's affecting my left so i'm compensating for it uh, but yeah. i've been just i've been get i've been getting through it and uh you know it's you know for for a fight like uh um gilbert melendez i was i was pushing through it but uh to go into another fight uh not at 100 percent i think um i'm just gonna get it get it looked at get set up with a good doctor and get it get it fixed it's like a, a sign I think what, what kind of it answer? happens it happens every time around this time like two weeks before the fight I'm like oh man you know I, sh- I should have just done this last fight I should have just taken it and I just I get I get to the point where uh, you know I fight and then it feels fine because I'm not training like a week after the fight it feels fine and I'm hanging out drinking a little bit and then uh, you know it's uh. You know, two weeks before the fight, it starts really bothering me, and uh, you know, I'm at this point right now, so I think it's a good time to just get it fixed, and uh, you know, I'll I'll get a good I'll get a you know uh, an opponent that uh, I deserve, and I'll be back and looking good as ever.
1: Are we talking ACL? Is this going to be a long layoff for you?
10: No, you know, I don't know. They said a couple of doctors have said that it's like uh, cartilage behind my kneecap. Okay. Um there's not really like a term for it it's just cartilage behind my patella uh so I had a, a microfracture surgery the first time and there's still some uh some cartilage behind there uh, that's not i guess it's like irritated it, it it i I don't know how to describe it but it's uh it's pretty painful when uh when I try to do squats and stuff my my left leg is a lot bigger than my right leg wow and I'm a righty so that's not yeah that's not really a good thing so I'm going to have to get it uh get it looked at. I've been to a bunch of doctors and everyone says, you know, they want to do uh what's called an oats procedure and that I might not be, you know, they don't know how it's it would turn out after the fight. Yeah, I mean after the surgery if I would be able to uh to to still fight or not. So I I don't know. And now they got the stem cell stem cell stuff that can regenerate yeah. cartilage. So I'm hoping that uh Know there's something that they can do to to fix me up, man, because I got to get back in there feeling good. I've been kind of like depressed the last, uh, oh, yeah, whatever.
1: Wait, so there's a lot there. So you're saying, uh, they're they're not sure if you can fight or not, meaning period for your career, like this might affect your career.
10: Uh, pretty much that's what they've been telling me. What, like, you know, you should kind of, they've been telling me to stick it out, stick it out, because, uh, you know, you don't know how if you'll be able to, uh, what what'll have to be done if they do the surgery how you'll feel after if you'll have a full range of motion to i don't know it's kind of uh i've been battling with this for a while so i think now's the time that i got to get this get this thing fixed up and i got to see a really good you know i've been seeing good doctors but they got to be able to do something i don't know
1: and when you and when you say you've been a little depressed i mean were you sort of doubting yourself going into this fight
10: no not at all i was definitely not doubting myself i was uh it, it, it's been something that I've been dealing with. I was ready to go. It was a perfect fight for me stylistically. I brought in guys that um, uh, really had a good good style, and I've been been doing great, great with the sparring. So it's just uh, – I'm just frustrated right now, man. I'm real frustrated. How, how
1: are you digesting this news? You went from Bobby Green, you had this sort of beef with him, to getting a huge name in Gilbert Melendez – um and this is a guy who we never suspected. I mean, he's never been in that kind of talk of PDs and all that. Um and then this happens nine days. How are you how are you taking this all in?
10: I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just uh it's tough. It was a good it was it was just everything was lining up perfect, you know. And then uh and then Mark Romandi had to send me a goddamn God. message. What
1: a troublemaker. I don't
10: know. He is, right? I think if he would have never messaged me, the fight would still be on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm mad at him.
1: Wow. It, it is a bummer. I, I was looking forward. I don't
10: know what to make of it. Because he is, like you said, he's the last guy you would yeah. expect. To, I mean, I don't know.
1: Are you happy? Okay, how about this? Are you happy it came out? Um, so, so let's say you know you never know what a guy is using going into the fight, or would you have rather fought him? It's a big name, big opportunity. How, how, do, you, how do you weigh those two scenarios?
10: I would 100% would rather fought him. Hmm. I would have rather fought him in a week, without a doubt, man. I was, I was, I put so much into the last, you know, six. The last six weeks have just been a grind, battling through, you know, injuries, pushing through. You know, I've had great workouts. Ray Longo spent freaking fourth. We were in the what was Fourth of July? What Was that two days ago? Saturday. Yesterday yeah. was the fifth. Saturday. We were in the gym. I sparred in the morning. And then uh Ray came back at we at like eight o'clock at night and put me through a circuit. So uh, you know, that's the that's the kind of dedication we had going into this fight. That's the kind of respect we had for a guy like Gilbert Melendez. That's how talented he was. We knew what I had to I had to be, you know, I had to be a hundred percent going into this fight. And uh you know, it's just uh it's unfortunate, man. I wish uh I wish things were things were different right now.
1: So how are we gonna blow off steam here? How are you gonna forget about this? What are you gonna do?
10: Uh, man, I just got off the phone with my mom and she said, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> so I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything stupid.
1: A little Long but, Beach, maybe some, some, some beach, some sun. What are we yeah, going to do? Yeah, a little
10: Long Beach, you know, I'm going to make up, maybe I'll make up for the 4th of July, but right now I'm not even in the mood to like go out and have a good time. I'm just kind of, I don't know. It's a weird mood I'm in right yeah. now. I kind of want to, I don't know what I want to do. I want to break something. No, I please wanna don't. slam my head on the desk again. I don't know. Just, uh, yeah, I'm just disappointed. I'm, I'm just, I can't describe it, man. It's
1: maybe you'll weird. Go, maybe you'll go out to Vegas to watch the fights, or you don't really feel like being around them?
10: Uh yeah, I just kind of want to chill, man. Yeah. I don't know. I hear you. We'll see. And, we'll and... see how everything works out. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll be back in there soon, soon enough. I'll be, you know, I'm in shape right now. Hopefully, they can fix this knee up, and I don't know.
1: Two last quick things. It's 100% you're not fighting July 15th now?
10: Yeah, it's a, it's a done deal.
1: Okay. And uh, when do you think you'll find out about the surgery? Like when you could actually have it?
10: I don't know if I'm going to have surgery. or okay. I, don't know if they're gonna, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm, when are you going to decide
1: they, the plan of action?
10: I'm going to uh, – my manager is searching for the best knee doctor in the entire world right now, and I'll be seeing him as soon as I can.
1: All right. That's well, the plan. I can't thank you enough. It is uh, great that you were able to come on. I really appreciate it. And for this is this is crummy news, my friend. I was yeah. really looking forward to it. Wow, what a great fight! I uh, I feel for you. Some I'm sorry.
10: This sport, I guess, it's like that. You know, you get you know. You should have seen me when I got the call that I was that uh, Melendez was in. Man, I was so happy, and now I'm just I don't know. It uh- is what it is. What a sad note to end your show. I on know, tonight. Jesus. It's like
1: it's eight, eight minutes before one of the biggest fights of the year with uh, McGregor and all that, and, and we're all bummed out here for you. We're all depressed. I'm bummed.
10: Yeah, It's all right. This Damn is, it injuries. could be
1: worse. This, oh, it's not even an injury. Well, I'm thinking about you now. I'm thinking that we're not going to see you yeah. for a long time. PDs is a problem. Hopefully, I mean, look, give him credit. Did you read his statement, by the way? No. You know, he, 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 he took the blame. He didn't make any excuses or anything like that. So you give the guy uh, credit but uh unfortunate, yeah, he's, very unfortunate.
10: Yeah, he's, a stand-up. he's a good, you know, he's he's not going gonna... to I had nothing but respect for him going into this fight and if he's uh manning up and and he's going to take it on the chin that way I have nothing for him but respect for him. Now, you know, it's just uh I don't know. You're going to cheat, you're going to get caught, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Break this thing out. Have a good show, guys.
1: Thank you, Al.
10: What's the good news? This is fucking bullshit. I don't know.
1: Okay. Thanks, Al. Peace. Be safe. <laughs> Peace. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, Al. There he is, Ally Quinto. Wow. Uh such unfortunate news. Okay, we are uh we are running out of time, so <laughs> 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 there's only one Ally Quinto, right? He is amazing.
0: He's incredible. Um okay, let's uh let's hit Two questions real quick and then we'll do uh, a bit of a a thank you at the end. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Cyborg quietly lurking. What's next? If Cyborg claims another destructive victory on the ninth, do you think the calls and debate uh, about her coming, dropping weight, and fighting Rousey late in this year will possibly once again intensify? How much do you think the current interest in Ronda Rousey versus Betch Cohea is likely to distract from this at the halfway point of the MMA year? Are you more or less positive than you were in January that we may see the titanic uh, much-desired clash between Ronda and Cyborg She's happening? a
1: Zufa fighter. It will happen uh, I suspect she wins on Thursday. The talk ramps up. She has one fight at 135 for Invicta, and then we see the money fight.
0: And Michelle Watterson's debut, one of the least talked about things coming up this week, is the Karate Heidi's debut. Where do you see her in the
1: division already,
0: and do you think she can be a force in the division considering she's moving
1: up a weight class? You know, <clears throat> I was talking to some of her coaches about this, and they feel like this is actually a better weight class for her, that it was... It was getting to be a little tough to cut the weight, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what are they going to say? But uh, they feel very confident. I think this is a very favorable matchup. Um, talented fighter. She's putting it all together. Of course, coming off a loss, um, a great addition, marketable. I, I, I think this is a nice debut. I mean, you know how I feel about Angela Magana. As a person, fighter, tough, all that stuff. But I think this is a winnable fight for her, and I think that she, uh, that she should win. And it's, it's a great addition. It was a no-brainer, in my opinion.
0: Okay, that's it for questions uh, in this short time frame, but we do have a surprise for you. Oh. While uh, while we were on air, we yes. got another
1: delivery to the studio. Another? Well, I didn't even talk about the first delivery. So why
0: don't you do that first, and then we'll okay. get into it.
1: Okay, I want to thank my good friend Bill Steinmetz, who we talked about just uh, a couple weeks ago. We gave him the GSP gloves, and he counters with this amazing happy birthday balloon, Alistair Overeem-esque, and not only that, he hooked me up with uh, Edible Arrangements again. Now, last year when he hooked us up with the Edible Arrangements, um, was that on my birthday? It was. Amazing. I love those things. I'm going to bring it to my kids. They're going to freak out. So, Bill, I salute you, my friend. Las Vegas' is own. Uh, I hope I get to see you. I never actually met Bill in person. So I hope I see you this weekend. I really appreciate it. Very kind of you. Very thoughtful. Such a nice guy. Such a great fan and, and, and supporter of the show. Uh, really amazing. So thank you so much for that. It is my birthday on Wednesday. I will be celebrating it on a plane to Las Vegas, UFC 189, fight week, blah, blah, blah. Could they have delayed things a day so I could <laughs> spend it at home? I mean, really, where's the, uh, you know, where's, where, where's the compassion for me? But, uh, yes, I, I am very happy. The Big 3-3, three, three. my whole life, by the way, I've been dreaming of being 33 because of Patrick Ewing. And finally, here I am, 33 years old, two days away. It's very big. That's quite an interesting one. Yes. What else we got? Oh, and Mr. New York Rick got me these glasses, these Expo glasses. Look at this, vintage Montreal Expos. Is this is this, this is not a shot glass, right? This is no, more no, no. just a cup. Drinking glass. Yeah. Yeah, drinking glass. How about that? Look at this. Can we see it? There it is, Montreal Expos, courtesy of New York Rick. Who knew he was so so thoughtful? <laughs> and yes, what else? While we were on air. You Can't see that. What does it say?
0: I, I I can't see the shot. Let me see.
1: Oh, I could see it, but the the screen. Read it to me.
0: This says uh, something sweet Yo, from uh, Baked by Melissa. Oh. Now, I'll read you the inscription. Who
1: sent it? Ariel. Was I it Arianna's last Great okay, birthday week. Yes. Thanks
0: for everything. Love Ash.
1: Oh. Ho. So, wow. of course. We, we only have two thoughtful fans, let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Ash is the best. I wouldn't say the that. The other person. Let's not, yes, let's yes. not,
0: let's not uh, hate on the fans, but I would say the two most thoughtful.
1: Absolutely, Clearly, uh, but amazing. The other showed out today. The other individual who got our uh, our GSP gloves, right? Yeah,
0: the two GSP glove winners.
1: Now, are you going to send it to them? Because I have to call you out. I did see them in the studio today. Are you actually going to send these damn they gloves? They are going to get them. Don't you okay.
0: worry. Wow, Ash. Alex is getting the addresses today.
1: Okay, and they will be sent. Ash is an angel of a woman, and I appreciate that greatly. Thank you so much. I mean, I feel like the richest man in the world. Here I am doing a show about fighting. Before one of the biggest fights of the year, biggest fights in UFC history, biggest events, biggest weekends, and people are thinking about my birthday. Edible arrangements. Baked by Melissa is the best. Have you ever had that? I have. You guys it's uh it's good stuff. Do not touch any of those. They're all going to me. I appreciate it, Ash. Well, Thank there's you a so reason much. I only showed you the box.
0: I mean, yes. We I, were got, in here I got for my
1: mom texting me. Three and a half it's, I mean, it's just it's it's a very celebratory. See, this is what Al was talking about. We had to end on a good note. There it is. Thank you to them. No and, more questions? Uh, no no no. Okay, but wait, wait, wait. Let's bring it back. Let's go with the odds. Hit me. One second. Of course my internet not working. Have you looked at them? I have not. I mean, I've I've looked at them like
0: the uh the is. McGregor and uh okay, we got and to... Mendez odds because I'm paying sure. close attention to those. Well everyone's
1: been looking at that, right? Um no the odds, eh?
0: Not I mean, typically they're not out. Until lit- closer to the event, for s- for events like Invicta and uh, Bellator and things like that.
4: Mm.
1: Okay, let's go with a one eighty nine. Sedanio versus Fister. Sedanio. Right. Minus one eighty six, plus one seventy seven. Siri versus Smolka. Hmm. I'm gonna go. Siri. Wrong. Plus yeah. 100, minus 110. That's a very close one. That's a tough one. Um, Briones versus Garbrandt. Garbrandt. Minus 578, plus 495. How about that? This one, flying under the radar. We spoke to him a few weeks back. Swick versus Garcia. Uh, Garcia. Garcia, minus 386. Swick, plus 345. Howard versus Pendred. Wow. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. Because I feel like Howard... You're like Mr. John Howard. Didn't you yeah, say that I, he had, like, the
0: lock of the year or something? No. You, the thing about John Howard is he's very underrated because people think he's... I say this a million times. Uh, shout out to uh, MJ Flip the Script, who also talks about this a lot. He's considered, you know, this this big striker with huge power, but he's really kind of a, more of a wrestler. Um, I mean, I believe Pender was a dog in his last fight. I guess I'm going to go Howard, but... It could it could be either way on this. I don't know, heads or tails.
1: Hmm. You're not gonna make a, a pick? No, I'm saying I'm I'm saying Howard's the favorite. Oh well, who, okay, okay, sorry, who? sorry. Uh well Howard is plus one oh five and Pendrit is minus one hundred five. So isn't that kind of like a pick'em?
0: Yeah, that and and also Smoka and uh and Siri, Siri are, are both essentially pick'ems.
1: All right. Um this is a fun one. Tim Means versus Matt Brown.
0: Whew. That's a f- I mean, Matt Brown, I think, is going to be the favorite, but that's, that's one hell of a fight.
1: Minus 180 plus 164 for Matt Brown. Yep. Brad Pickett versus Thomas Almeida. I think Almeida, but I think if Pickett's a, a big dog, that, that that's one worth paying attention to. Huge dog. Almeida minus 800. Pickett plus 674. I don't know about that. I don't know about that yet.
0: I, I think Almeida is a legit, you know, he's, he's proven that he's the real deal, but I don't know about that yet.
1: By the way, I think I read on uh, Reed Kuhn's Twitter feed, Fightnomics, that this is a matchup of the youngest guy on the card, like 23 Almeida, and Pickett's in his mid-30s. There you Oldest go. Oldest guy on the, on oh, the card. the my voice just cracked. Um, all right. Uh, Gunner Nelson, Brandon Thatch. Uh, Gunner. But
0: it will tell me the odds first. Wait, well, wait. Who are you picking? I'm saying Gunner. Wrong. Thatch is the favorite.
1: Minus 175 for Brandon I don't Thatch, know about that. Plus 165 for Gunnar. Gunny. I think we saw, I
0: mean, I think we saw I'm that. I'm surprised. Thatch has a bit of a has a bit of a, you know, a ways to go in his uh grappling game. It looked like Benson, you know, took him down when he needed to. Now, granted that was his first fight back in quite a long time. It was at altitude, not, you know, for him that's not as big a deal because he trains at altitude, but it was at altitude. Um, I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised by that one. But I could I could also see Gunner getting a little too happy on the feed and uh Thatch ending. Big that one, one for both
1: of them. All right. Jeremy Stevens, Dennis Bermudez.
0: I'm gonna go Bermudez. Um, but I like that fight. Wow, this card is, is yeah, quite good. Fun.
1: Uh minus 195, Jeremy Stevens plus 185. Robbie Lawler, Rory Mack.
0: Robbie Lawler is going to be uh,
1: the favorite, but I like Rory in this fight. Wrong. Plus one sixty nine for Robbie, minus one seventy five for Rory. So that if makes we, sense. If we would have had uh, McGregor versus Aldo, both champions would have would been, have the, been underdogs. the underdogs. How crazy is sure. that? That is well. Wild. I think what
0: that says is you know people don't believe that first fight for uh, yep. Rory and and uh, Robbie, and people weren't buying. Uh, or people were buying Connor McGregor. And then obviously I know that uh, Connor is the favorite now um, in the fight with Chad Mendez.
1: Yeah. Currently it's at plus 148 for Mendez. Connor minus 155. That's... Ellenberg, Ellenberger Thompson. Wait, uh, huh? That's on this card? No, oh. the next day. Um, whew, that's a
0: that's an interesting one. Um, I guess Ellenberger, but I really don't know. I mean, both guys, you know, have looked fantastic lately, and or had time off. So I'm going to say Ellenberger, but I really don't know.
1: Plus 186 for Ellenberger, minus 201 for Thompson. Wow, that's kind of surprising too. That surprises me a little bit. Uh, Feherra versus Masvidal. Uh, Masvidal. Minus 247 to plus 226. Correct. Waterson Magaña. Waterson. Minus 560 for Watterson, plus 472 for Maganya. Jared Sanders versus Russell Doan. Doan. Minus 370 for Doan, plus 325 for Sanders. Uh, Sanders, uh, Daryl Montague versus Willie Gates. Huh. Uh, let's go Montague. Minus 116 for Montague. Gates plus 108. Blanco de La Torre. Who this
0: is Maximo Blanco?
1: Correct. I don't even know Delator. Uh so I guess Blanco. I mean Blanco's usually minus one forty four, plus one thirty three, Magaliesh versus Josh Saman. And this is Cow Magaliesh.
0: Yeah, let's uh, I think uh Josh Saman.
1: Plus one twenty eight for Josh, minus hmm. one forty two for the Brazilian and finally that. Dan Miller versus Trevor Smith. The return of Dan <laughs> Miller.
0: This is an interesting one. Um yeah. I think style wise we'll see Dan Miller probably be a f- uh. I'll say Miller but also also another one I'm not really sure of.
1: Yeah, Miller -127 I think the grappling the grappling advantage is going to be the yeah, difference. He's been there. out. He's been out. We'll I see. mean, yeah. All right. That two, does two it.
0: two good uh two, two good days cars. of fights, yeah.
1: And Thursday we got Invicta. That's right. Three title fights It is going to be madness in Las Vegas, my friends. I get there Wednesday. Tons of media availabilities, media obligations, tons of stuff going on. This is one of the busier weeks in UFC history. Three events total. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be there. I look forward to it greatly. I think that's it. It's the Conor McGregor Show. It all comes to fruition. It's not the fight we wanted. It's not the fight that was promoted incredibly well. It's not Conor versus the only UFC featherweight champion ever. But it's a pretty good consolation prize. It's Conor McGregor finally answering that question. Can he beat an elite wrestler? And it's a guy he picked a fight with. And after talking so much over the years, especially in the last two years, there was no way he was going to be able to back down from this one. So here we go. Conor McGregor, Chad Mendes. You can hit my music. It's going to be a fun ride to get to Saturday. Hopefully no more drama. And then, hey, if Conor McGregor wins, if we're talking about a Conor McGregor victory next Tuesday on this show, remember, no Monday show. We're back Tuesday because of the Ultimate Fighter finale on Sunday. Wow, the Aldo fight will be even bigger. That's the silver lining. Mendez wins. You get a third crack. It's not the same fight. It's not as big. It's interesting, but it's not the historic fight that we have been waiting for for quite some time unfortunate but here we go a great plan b looking forward to getting out there so today's show was a fun one a loaded one wow so much happened i want to thank peter carroll for stopping by great stuff from him check him out severe mma irish mirror Fightland. thank you very much to jorge masvidal great stuff from him good luck on sunday thank you very much to dan lambert good luck to him this weekend as well saturday and sunday Chael P, welcome back. Great to talk to him again. Thank you for the time. Thank you very much to Cody Garbrandt. Appreciate his time. Good luck to him and Team Alpha Male on Saturday in Las Vegas. Thank you very much to Patty Houlihan. Good luck to him. And Team SBG on Saturday, of course, Patty Houlihan returning the following week. And, of course, thank you very much to Ally Quinta. Depressing News but hopefully everything goes okay with his knee and he gets back in there sooner rather than later. UFC 189, my friends, this Saturday. We'll be back on Tuesday to recap it all. Can't wait for that. Thank you so much for the time. I love you all. I'll see you next week. Until then, I say peace. i out of here.